What's up, Gypsy Gang? We're back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast. And today we're speaking to one of the maybe the biggest badasses on two wheels ever. And I'm talking about Vicky Golden. Vicky Golden has done it all. She's won Loretta Lynn's championships. She's raced Arena Cross. She's made it into night shows for Supercross. She's won X Games medals. Uh, she still tours all around the world on her dirt bike. Uh, and this is an episode that I've really been wanted, wanting to do for a long time because when it comes to Vicky Golden, there's literally just one. There's only one chick that has done all of these things. And uh, and I think that anytime you can be the only one in the world that does something, it's uh, there's definitely something special going on there. So We've been trying to make this one happen for a little while now. We finally made it happen, and I'm so glad we did. She's just such a cool chick with a really incredible story uh, to come from where she came from and to reach the heights that she has. Um, And really, she's still in the absolute prime of her career. So to get early release and ad-free versions of the podcast, as well as exclusive feature content, head over to gypsytales.com, our new membership platform. Before we get into this podcast with a true Aussie icon, a quick word from our sponsors. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the team at Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens AG1 is the first port of call for me each and every morning. And in my experience, this is the healthiest habit you can form and it takes just under one minute of your day. Now, there are a couple of reasons why I love using AG1. Firstly, doing it habitually every morning sets me on the right path with my health. Not only is it amazing for my body, but mentally I know that before I've done anything else in the day, I'm already on the path that I want to be on, and that is the path to World Vets. Secondly, to get the same nutritional benefits by using separate vitamins, not only would it take a crazy amount of time, but I wouldn't actually be smart enough to source all of the ingredients that AG1 packs into their formula. AG1 is a one scoop formula that you mix with between 8 to 12 ounces of water and that's it, you're done. And it has been a part of millions of mornings since 2010. Since using AG1, I have noticed a massive change for the better. Uh, I'd say mostly in my digestion and overall gut health, but I can also feel it in my hair and skin as well. I feel like I just have a more consistent energy level throughout the day. But maybe the best part about working with the team at Athletic Greens is that it's also been helping out the Gypsy Gang. I've had a bunch of messages from people who've started using AG1 after listening to the show and they all have their own stories of how it's helped them. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash gypsytales. It's not a promo code. It's this link specifically, athleticgreens.com slash gypsytales. Winter sports or getting on the grog, you still need to care for your favorite hog with Manscaped. There is nothing wrong with growing out a new coat of manly chest hair to keep warm this winter. It's only an issue when you grow some matching fur panties. Stop letting the curly cues down there. Cover up the stars of the show with Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Join the 8 million men and 16 million nuts worldwide who already use Manscaped by going to manscaped.com and use the code GYPSYGANG for 20% off 
plus free shipping. Gentlemen, winter is not a time to get complacent and being the kind of man who is well-groomed from the waist down is to be a confident man. And I have Manscaped to thank for giving me Jet Lawrence-type confidence after going 8-0 to kick off the season. Grab your ghoulies, their new best mate, with the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. The kit comes with the Essential Lawnmower 4.0, waterproof, cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your grooming routine, and their skin-safe tech will stop you from tearing your pubes to shreds. Inside the Performance Package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver, Ball Toner, and Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant Moisturizer. Just because it's cold doesn't mean those boys don't get smelly. And you can't forget about the Manscaped boxes that come with the kit. Don't let your boys hang out in the cold. Manscaped's dual pouch will make sure your gems are nestled safe and comfortable. And they round out the package with the Weed Whacker 2.0 because no one likes ear and nose hair. Plus, you get a shared travel bag to hold all of your new goodies. Do yourself a favor Get the best pack for your sack with the Performance Package 4.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GYPSYGANG at manscaped.com. That's right, 20% off plus free shipping with the code GYPSYGANG at manscaped.com. Winter's coming, boys, and make sure your boys are prepared. We're also brought to you by the team at Tropical Auto Group, and if you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, then you cannot buy anything without picking up the phone and calling Kyle. He has been keeping us moving for the past three years and countless other members of the Gypsy Gang. Tropical Auto Group in Rockhampton stock Ford, Mitzi, Kia, Izuzu and Great Wall. For the last 12 months, we have been wheeling the all-new D-Max. If you're looking for a ute for work and play, I can't recommend that rig enough. We've driven it from Melbourne to Cape York and it's safe to say she's passed the test. It's tax time right now, so make sure you head to Tropical Auto dot com and ask for kyle and you'll get a 500 dollars gift voucher at mx store with the purchase of a new or used car we also need to give a shout out to dry times dry times may have created the perfect towel with their quick drying odor free and super absorbent towel it also takes up a fraction of the space of a traditional towel they make towels for the gym the beach and even ponchos for post-surf to find out more about this perfect towel head to drytimes.com or check them out on Instagram at drytimes. And strike while the iron's hot with their end of financial year sale right now at drytimes.com. They have 20% off store-wide. The team at Dixon Flannel are also having their end of financial year sale and we're neck deep in winter right now in the Southern Hemisphere. So there has never been a better time to get into a fresh and crispy Dixon. These flannels have been solid in my rotation for years now, and it's very rare that I go anywhere without one. Take advantage of this epic sale by heading to dixonquality.com.au. Let's just roll straight into it. Miss Vicky Golden, the... Uh, the G of all G's has uh, finally joined the podcast. <laughs> I know, better late than never, right? Yeah, no, nah, these things are these things aren't always as easy to schedule as uh, as people might assume. Busy schedules, time zones, all that jazz. So I, uh, I I never get bummed on it. 
Oh, that's good. Yeah. I mean, I even just coming here, I'm like, well, you said tomorrow, but wait, is that today at three or tomorrow at three? I'm just oh. like, oh man, like I just did the same thing with Italy with Garnet of like trying to contact with Italy as well as I was just like, dude, time frames and emails. I'm like, you don't talk to the person and until their next day and then your next day you've woken up and they're going, you know, going home from work. So it's just it's chaos. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and I'm like honestly not not the best at it too. One day I'll have like a booking agent or like some kind of formal thing where it's like someone just takes care of it, but we ain't there yet. Yeah, hey, well that's when you know you make it. <laughs> so what uh, what's what's news? What's what's been uh, the latest dirt bike adventure or misadventure? Oh man, it's actually been nice. I've been just kind of, we, we had a hectic supercross season doing demos there and, um, just, and then I had events kind of the times I didn't go to supercross, I had other events going on. So it was just like a hectic first start to kick off the year. And now it's kind of, it's settled back down for like the past, since supercross ended pretty much it's been, I get to relax, get into a schedule and go to the gym and just enjoy being home and, and getting to do hobbies and fun stuff and yeah. spending time with friends and family and yeah just enjoying a little bit of time off and then you know now we're, we're slowly getting back back into the pure hectic lifestyle again yeah it's crazy uh i was literally just saying to the boys like i gotta go on friday and it's like i've probably been home for a month and a bit or been in, in australia for a month and a bit and it's like fuck it's so hard to leave once you just like get in the schedule and i'm like i'm sleeping eight hours every night without an alarm and like i'm training every day and i'm riding and just you just start to get in such a nice flow and it's like see ya yeah then it's all gone and then the minute you come back you like it's then you got to start from scratch it's it's it sucks sometimes but i mean once you're in the flow of traveling it's not bad you just pull your pull your clothes out pull them out of the wash put them back in the bag and go you know like yeah. it's nice when you have that rotation but you're like man that's pretty bad like i yeah. just want to i just want to like just chill and sleep in for a day and not have you know everything going on but it's the life we live man that's it we we what do they say like pick your problems you know so it's not, yeah not bad i mean all these problems are good very good problems to have i'll take uh, them any day of the week yeah so what uh what's your home downtime look like what's like ideal downtime for you uh, I mean, really just like, I truly enjoy getting to go to the gym and, and cycling, mountain biking, like all those things that, you know, all the, you know, the racers have to do. I actually enjoy doing them. So the days I actually get time and free time to go do them, then I'm like, sick, let's go mountain bike. Or, well, right now uh, we have so many rattlesnakes that we don't really go too much mountain biking right now, but we'll, we'll go skinny tire and go pedal for a few, or even just, just flat out going to the gym. Like I thoroughly enjoy going into the gym and you know it's just endless in there so um I kind of just make a point of just picking a time and sticking to a schedule of being able to ride in the mornings whatever it is go to the gym and and just being home with my boyfriend my dog you know just getting to live like you know a normal, normal person for a <laughs> yeah. little bit yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no I can I can relate totally the the training thing is that like a just a carryover from your days as a racer because i feel like once you're in that flow like you kind of i don't know maybe you enjoyed the training and you would have made a solid like racer for a living yeah so when i was racing i i won i was very i didn't have enough knowledge i didn't really know what i was doing and what it 
did for the right reasons or the wrong reasons. So I just was really uninformed when I was racing. Yeah. And now I'm, I feel like that's all I do is just research reading and just like, you know, going through the you know, the work of just trying to like be as much informed as I can. Um, but yeah, back then I just didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just going through the motions, telling, doing what the trainer told me when to do it, when to eat, what to eat, but I didn't know why, you know? Yeah, so it was just yeah. kind of one of those things where back when I was racing, I was just going through the woodwork just because of that's what you're taught and told to do. Um, now I do it. Um, I got sick from it. And then once I developed Epstein-Barr and Supercross and realized that I can't train this way anymore. Um, that's kind of when I took a step back, but I still had the mentality of it, of the racer, yeah. but I just didn't have the physical exertion to go do it. Yeah. Um, so that, that took a couple years of just trying to find the right balance, um, of what to, to look out for, what, what things to do and don't, and, you know, actually listening to my body for once and taking a break when it's needed and pushing when it's needed. And yeah, just finding the balance in your own body. So yeah so there's like there's a million ways we could go because you've actually had an insane career i think you're i'll start by saying i think you're actually extremely underrated <laughs> like just oh, thank you <laughs> of of all the things that you've done of all the uh capabilities that you have on multiple different bikes i actually think that yeah you're an extremely underrated motorcycle talent so there's <laughs> well, so thank many you. i appreciate that <laughs> Yeah, there's so many things that that we could talk about, but uh, yeah, the Epstein Bar thing's interesting. Like, so what was so that was like during Supercross when you were like training for Supercross? Yeah, and my training was mainly on the bike. I'd get in as much as I could off the bike, but you know, like for me, like I need to to learn on the bike and do things on the bike, and I felt like I was a little bit behind the bar and behind schedule when it came to that stuff. So I wanted to be on the track as much as possible, logging as many laps as I could, learning sections and just finding the the right flow. I mean, supercrosses is no joke in itself. No. And then to, to put someone like me, like I just needed to learn. So I, I chose on the bike training as much as possible. Um, but with that, you know, I mean, I was basically a privateer, but not a privateer. Um, I had some help, but not enough help. So I was doing a lot of the, the bike work, the running around errands, getting the race bike ready. Um, and then what a lot of people didn't see is the media schedule I had on top uh. of all of the privateer work. So like my schedule for racing was, there was no day off, especially during the East Coast series. And I was already based on West Coast. So um, Monday I'd ride and train, do errands, whatever I had to do for a race bike, getting everything ready. Tuesday, same. Wednesday I'd fly to the East Coast. Um, Thursday I'd be waking up at four in the morning um, which is, you know, even earlier for West Coast time, um, doing press from like four in the morning till, you know, whenever they said stop. Um, same thing Friday and then do tech and stuff like that with the bike. Race Saturday, fly home Sunday and start all over again. So looking back, I'm an idiot, but <laughs> it was just like this. that was my schedule and I just, I'd went with it. And I think that just dug me a big hole that I was just obviously at that time too, I, I was racing Saturday. I didn't have the energy to do it, but I was doing it anyways, um, not getting the result I wanted. And then I'd go home and try 10 times harder yeah, when in reality, I should have just, yeah. I should have just took a break, but that's not easy for a racer to do is do nothing. Yeah. 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 I don't think people understand how 
gnarly just purely the flight schedule is for supercross and i remember when i was over there like exactly what you said you'd have a sunday morning 4 30 a.m flight west coast time which is 1 a.m uh sorry east coast time which is 1 a.m west coast time and like man it was almost like you were doing an international flight every single week because of how jacked up the time zones were yeah sometimes it definitely felt like i felt like i had easier international travel days than i did domestic <laughs> yeah no and and i think that yeah you, you can really just put yourself in a massive hole when it comes to just like sleep and then like airport food and nutrition and man it's like oh, yeah. it actually it actually is pretty gnarly you can see why Stuart and chad and ricky like when they could fly private it's such a huge advantage Oh, a huge advantage. I mean, there's just, like you said, there's so many variables of just even getting enough water, food, the right food, when you can eat is limited. So, I mean, just to those things and like the, not that I was at that level, but I was trying to compete at that level. And it's just like all those little things add up to a really big day and they're detrimental to a Saturday for sure. Yeah, definitely. And then, so you actually got epstein Bar, or did they call it like chronic fatigue or epstein Bar, or like what was the actual sickness i mean uh it, i was diagnosed with epstein Bar, and that was a time where i think it was when maybe like a few years after it was like a huge like surge of it and it was yep. like also rumors going around like all the riders not doing as well as they want they get epstein Bar. Yeah. And I didn't quite, I didn't quite understand it. And I was like, oh, that's just the excuse. That's not, it's like Bigfoot. Like, it's not a real thing. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I was like, all right. So uh, I started kind of just explaining my symptoms. And that was actually the same year um, Bowers and Coop were going for the championship in the, in the 250. Yeah. And myself and Bowers had the same doctor and he, Bowers got diagnosed with it. And then he was like, you're you're telling me everything he's telling me so let's get your blood work checked and sure enough it came back and me and me and tyler had like the gnarliest off the scale charts of of epstein bar that navarro had seen yeah so it was just like all right sweet what do we do and he's like nothing you can do (laughs) yeah just chill bro yeah and obviously you're not gonna take that and i think i found out the second to last round of supercross and i was like mm. well i've come this far like screw it like let's just dig the hole at this point and yeah yeah the, like the, the, we only got two races left i mean i've come this far like let's just just put put a nail in the coffin and just see what we can do and i mean i was like dude i i do the you know like obviously when you qualify it's one lap that gets you in and I was like 20, 25 seconds into a minute lap time, just fighting not to puke and just like couldn't, couldn't hold myself together and just struggling really, really bad. And just, just still trying to push through. And, um, it was, I'm glad I did, even though it dug me a huge hole to get out of after the series was over, but that, that last round I, I was able to make it in. So it was at least worthwhile yeah yeah so what was what's the symptoms of epstein-barr like what do you start feeling to then i guess like go and get checked out it's pretty tough to really like say because it came on and off you know like it was a lot of cold symptoms a lot of flu symptoms like one or two cold or flu symptoms and then it'd go away you know you get like a sore throat or you get stuffed up or you know just like normal things um and then it just starts developing into to just you just 
get lethargic. You, even if you do eat, you don't you don't feel good after you eat. Um, taking down, you know, liquids and just like trying to get stuff into your system gets harder and harder. And um, just like it's kind of endless. It can go into like your stomach, your brain. Like I was struggling with so much brain fog and fatigue just everywhere. And just like it's just a mix of so many different symptoms that seem like you're just getting sick but then they go away and then you maybe feel better for a day or two and then something else comes up so it was just kind of an erratic thing of just multiple symptoms but it was just kind of getting to the point where I'm like I know I'm not this out of shape so that was kind of like the thing and just like you can kind of feel things going on with your body and you're just like this is not right so that's kind of when I started going to my doctor and, and kind of explaining things to him. And that's when he was like, let's get some blood work and, and kind of see where we're at. Yeah, because I guess that would be a telltale sign. It's like, I've done all this work. I'm fit as fuck, but I can't walk up a flight of stairs. Like something ain't adding up here. Exactly. And it, and throughout like the, the practice track time, it was like, all right, do a 12 lap moto. And then I was like, dude, I can't do 12 laps all right let's do 10 oh dude I can't make it to 10 and then it was just like it was just slowly deteriorating when you should be building so it's like you're feeling the opposite effects because you're just like you're draining all of your you know everything you've got and there's nothing to you know replenish so that's kind of when you start feeling that when you should in a normal situation be building you're just depleting yeah yeah and so you think that that's like it because it is fairly common in moto and you just think it's just a case of dudes just overcooking it absolutely i mean i wasn't even probably putting in you know as much effort or i know i wasn't putting in as much effort i was doing everything i could but you know the those level of guys they're putting in you know unbelievable laps a day testing every day and fitness on top of that so i know like where they're pushing their bodies and sure sure it's easy to it's so i'm surprised more riders don't get it to be honest yeah yeah i mean it's funny like the the whole performance enhancing drugs thing is just like the most taboo subject in moto like no one fucking wants to talk about or whatever but man like i've started training for world vets that's <laughs> like yeah i'm out doing like 320s a day and a couple 5k runs and i'm like how do these boys do this shit without drugs like are you fucking serious <laughs> like all of y'all telling me that you can do this shit without it yeah that's what i'm saying i mean like <laughs> I, I i feel like i'm in pretty good shape to where like when i do go to the track i i run a stopwatch and on my bars and i try and go for it like i'll go to about 30 minutes and push as hard as i can i don't run like a heart rate monitor or anything i just have a watch for the sake of i'm gonna push the bike because it might run out of gas so i want to keep keep tabs on it and that's just like where i'm at like physical conditioning i just feel good that i can go that long so i want to make sure i don't run out of gas so that's like i'm like i can do 30s but i'm i'm kind of hurting the next day to where i don't think i could do 30s the next day too (laughs) or an hour later yeah exactly so that's where i'm like yeah i don't know i i feel like drugs would be needed (laughs) (laughs) yeah dude totally uh so what was the what was the process of recovery so like you finished the last round of supercross and then you just basically that was just full chill after that yeah it kind of got to a point where i like i was just sleeping like almost all day 24 almost 24 hours a day i was just like out cold sleeping just like trying to recoup and 
yeah, I felt like worthless. And it was like, obviously, you know, Supercross is in winter. So we go into our summer and it's, it's hot. So if I'd go outside, I just like, I would basically get just pure heat exhaustion because it would shock my system going from an air conditioned house to outside that's super hot. And, uh, that would just like trigger me and I'd just like lose all my energy that I thought I had. So pretty much it was, yeah, just trying to not shock my system like that. So I'd just kind of stay inside, chill. And the only time I really left the house was just to get treatment. Um, I did like IVs and, you know, blood irradiation therapy to try and just get myself just get something back and kind of get back to life again but yeah it was a it was a rough process just to get kind of get some life back going you know and how how long do you think it took to get back to kind of normal um I would say maybe four or five months to where I was like all right like I I feel like I can sustain you know maybe some training and stuff like that and um then get back into it but unfortunately the following year I started getting back into my schedule and it just came right back so no both way. years I rate yeah both race uh, both years I raced supercross I got Epstein bar so uh yeah it was uh not not fun <laughs> nah and I think there's like the physical side which obviously you've got to work on and try and get better and there's like this physicality that has to recover but then that's not to say anything about like the mental effects that it has of just going from being the most active person racing training all the endorphins that you're getting from moto and supercross and then the the training endorphins that you're getting and then you just like clip all of it you probably felt like the biggest piece of shit oh yeah that was that was probably the toughest thing and that was kind of i mean i was young too so um that was like taking a toll of like I've been living my life to the point of like no isn't an option I do everything until I can't do it anymore and now I this whole world opened up of like well now you have to monitor what you do and how how hard you do push so I like kind of spoke about earlier is like I had it took a little bit of finding what my triggers were um how to get better from because I mean, depending on what doctor you're asking is an answer you'll get differently. But in my opinion, you don't ever get, you don't ever like just Epstein bars gone. Yeah. 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 You can't, can't cure it. So that's, that's been kind of my story is that I get flare ups to where if I feel like I'm pushing too much, I, I feel that and I have to back it off a little bit, but I, but it took me a couple of years to really figure out what that looked like and where I could push and where I couldn't push and when and what it feels like. And I actually got a lot of help from a couple of Olympians that, that struggle with it as well. And they kind of gave me like tips on what to do when you do get flare ups, how to avoid them and, and just kind of find yourself a program that works for your body. And that's kind of where that transition of was just like full battle royale to being a kid to like, all right, pick your battles and figure this out. Yeah, yeah. And so that kick-started you getting into, like, reading and, like, learning about that sort of stuff or? Yeah, absolutely. And it was just finding, you know, the right diet changes because I had tried every, you know, quote-unquote diet they had and to suggest for Epstein-Barr, but certain things would help, certain things wouldn't, and I didn't really understand which 
would be what so I just kind of had to figure out my own thing and that's where like just the help of other athletes that have been going through it they gave out some advice that I ended up trying it worked out well and then I could kind of put put that into my program and and move on so yeah it was just a, a lot of trial and error and just help from you know just other people that struggle with it damn that's a wild thing to to have to go through and especially like you work your whole life racing to get to the point of supercross and then that kind of like fucks shit up yeah i mean to be to be fair i don't think i was gonna do too many more years of supercross i didn't want to be that person they're like oh just give it up like yeah, you know yeah. like because I, I i'm i mean we'll be real like i was in that bubble of like making it not making it making it and you know depending on the weekend and the track that i've i mesh with it that was like you know that would kind of make or break me um, so I wasn't going to go like 10 years of trying to race Supercross yeah. and, and being on that bubble of like, oh, okay, like how many more years are you going to try this? So, um, I would have liked a bit more time, um, you know, racing, but you know, everything happens for a reason and I was able to move on and kickstart, you know, the next chapter of, you know, my career anyways. So it was, a uh, unfortunate but like i said i got a head start at least on on you know the next chapter yeah but i mean it's a crazy achievement man like to to be i know i know you don't talk about it like uh, the woman that did this kind of thing like i know you like to see yourself as an overall dirt bike rider but reality is like it's fucking pretty badass that you know like you done something that you know no other woman was was able to do and like put a put a bike in a main event like fucking absolutely gangster shit <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty crazy to, like, be able to, like, look back now and be like, oh, I did that. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, and just seeing, like, I remember some of the tracks I would go to and, like, the whoops would be, like, up to my chest. And I'd be like, how am I going to get through this? Like, not once, but, like, multiple times. (laughs) So, you know, just, like, those moments that you just, like, you just remember and I think the only thing that I really regret is being able to enjoy it a bit more because I was I was hit with so much failure that I didn't really get to utilize and enjoy like the positive aspects of it of being around so many fans and people and um I was just there was just a lot of negativity at that point too so it was just like I kind of got in a whirlwind of just just so much negative hate that for me trying it that it was like it was just like you know okay like focus on the positive and like try not to get sucked into that so I definitely wish that you know if I had the mindset I had now it would definitely be a bit more enjoyable but yeah Yeah. I was just different different times I feel like you know that was when I was getting like hate messages of like get back in the kitchen and like all the all the good woman hater stuff so um yeah it was just uh different times but uh i enjoyed it for for what it was i just wish i was a little bit healthier to be able to you know take it on and in you know my best you know my best form man that seems so fucking weird to me that like people would hate on it in general like you you have to be the most like uh how would you put it like you just have to be like a bitch of a dude <laughs> to, to hate on a chick yeah. dude, you know? like literally you're a bitch yeah i mean to be fair like i don't know why or how and it probably didn't help that like 
you know, like with Ready Stay Live and stuff, they'll like pan over to you. And and like I said, I only had one lap in me at most. So like yeah. I probably did majority of my time qualifying rolling around. And of course, like I never got put on TV when I was doing hot lap. Sending it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like from the outside looking in, you know, they're like, oh, she's just rolling around. She doesn't even belong out there. And and then I do my hot lap and then roll around some more. So like just the timing of like making yeah. everything worse was just happening. And I'm just like, ah, oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's still like it's whenever you can be the only person in the world to do anything like it's that's a very dope thing to achieve and that that people just seek that shit out like there's a whole book of people that are like trying to be the only one in the world to do something it's like that's a very attractive thing for a person to like want to stand out that much that they've achieved something no one else has done and like so i just think no matter what you compare it to like a man versus a woman doing it's like who gives a fuck like that was the only person that did that thing yeah absolutely and i feel like now looking back like i said like it's just such a different atmosphere that i have and i feel like it's definitely taken on to my mindset as well like everything i do and um it's just the mindset that comes with it and that's to where i i had it back then um and it was just like all right like this is what i want to do and it, it started you know years prior to that as you know arena cross as well um and before that it was just kind of triggered by you know i was kind of over racing women's outdoor and not saying i was the best at that i was getting like fourth i think you know like uh, I wasn't anything special, you know, I just like looked at it and I just wasn't really having fun. So I'm like, I'm going to go do this and, you know, arena cross and supercross. I enjoy it. I love the idea of like, there's, you can go two, three, three, you can go three, two, like you, then the options are endless. So that's like kind of what attracted me is just that you get a little bit of creative freedom. And that's like mm. what draw like started the, the idea is because I remember, I think I just, I hopped on um, milestone supercross with Durham and he towed me over the triple. And then he just like started showing me stuff and like how you can go, you know, you can blitz the whoops, jump through the whoops, like just the op options are endless. And like, obviously with, with Darren, he's like full of creativity. So just watching him flow on a track, like it was just like a time where I was like, oh, this is something I've never experienced before. And I just wanted more. So I went into arena cross, race arena cross, and then went into supercross and that's kind of how it all just started anyway. So it was just me taking a different path because I just wanted to have fun. There was a, that was pretty much like the baseline of it. And then it was like, oh, well, I guess if I do make it, you know, I'll be, I'll be the only one and, and that, that'll be cool too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's awesome, man. And it's probably, I, I don't know that we'd see it again too, you know, like it, it was uh, definitely a pretty, a pretty sweet little window that you sort of found yourself in and like because there you would have come up in the ranks i'm assuming where there was like women nationals and there was like there was a bit of a scene chicks were getting factory rides and then it sort of like went away so it's like you almost timed that whole thing pretty well as it was yes it's funny you say that because i i did a podcast with pingree and he yep. brought up like somehow through my whole career 
I was able to just hop in the window when it was prime time and then I'd yeah. leave when and then it would go away right out like you know a year or two after I leave and then I'd yeah. hop in this little window it just like I don't know how it happened but just same thing like I actually got a fill-in ride for Trey Kennard at Geico um I think my last uh, second to last year something like that with the women's stuff so I was actually able to like hop in that window when it was prime time like we talked about yeah and then I kind of I didn't didn't uh I don't know I just started losing you know help and kind of just started doing things on my own and was that's when I just was like I'm not having fun this is like you know or I should be enjoying this and I'm not so why am I here and then that's kind of what like trailed me into arena cross and that's when Bowers was dominating arena cross and it was getting tv time and then I did that and raced that got my license and I left and then all of a sudden arena cross just fizzled out <laughs> and then same I mean arena uh, supercross so I don't think I'll ever fizzle out but I just hopped you know was able to hop in there and um you know do that whole deal and you know and just hop out and then just on to the next so I don't know my timing has been impeccable but I don't know how or what I was doing to make it work it's like that good luck chuck where like every chick that he's with the next chick they get married but it's like the opposite yeah, it's just like the, get, just the series I, i'm a part of <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You literally get divorced yeah. after every fucking time yeah that that's pretty much i feel like how it went i mean i don't know i don't know my timing was just something special and the windows just opened up the way they did but i mean you would never think to go from women's motocross to arena cross and that's when it was like it wasn't even a thing to get your license that way there were yeah. easier ways it, it was easy to get your license to go to other races but i was like no this is the this is like like arena cross was like gnarly and i mean if you watched it back then when when tyler was dominating yeah it was like full battle royale and i was like i don't know why like it'll scare you know the toughest of men away and i'm like i want to go do that let's do it and uh yeah i don't know i just was like i wanted to go do it and learn the right way and that was the the best way to go so i chose arena cross and wanted to get punted off the track and into the stands <laughs> <laughs> how gnarly was the racing that you're in dude it was so gnarly i i don't think there'll be a time where i ever am like so stressed out to be on a track racing really um oh yeah it was i remember i got full like t-boned to the point when it was i was in like eighth like nothing special <laughs> and like of a probably even an lcq at that like just like it's just like ruthless they will move you if you don't like you're not getting out of the way because there's nowhere to go well there's no space and, yeah so like i just remember my first one actually um and it was like i only had one bike at the time and you know just like paying <laughs> paying my way and i remember i was i think i was one spot out and some kid hit me so hard and i just got so fired up because i was like that's i need this spot and i came in and just didn't even turn i hit it i just fully like went straight at him and it was like 
I'm taking your spot or we're both going down type thing. And we ended up, I think we both went down, but I hit him so hard that the front forks of like the piece that actually goes into the fork, it yeah. bent and then all the oil dumped down my bike. So I wouldn't even have been able to race, but like, just like you gotta be ruthless. And like, there's, there is craft that goes with it, but I didn't, I didn't learn that until like later when I got on to, to Babbitt's. But yeah, I was just like, you gotta hit him. There's no way around it. You either you hit or be hit, and that was that was the way it worked. I'm actually surprised Arena Cross isn't a bit bigger than what it is because I was I was living there when Bowers was doing the. I was there. I was actually there like kind of this whole time that that you were doing that. So like when Bowers was on uh, Babbitt's doing Arena Cross, I was there that year. He was battling with Coop for the championship. Like I was I was kind of like there through all of that. And uh, I remember Arena Cross kind of had like a bit of a wave going on, but it really should be bigger than what it is. I think it should be. I mean, it, and the way they, you know, Feld took it to create it as an actual stepping stone. Because when I first started, like I said, you it wasn't really the way to go. Um, and then Feld took it and was like, all right, now you have to go race Arena Cross. And I think that was like... Um, one of the last years I or the last year I raced it like that and it was a different point system and and it was kind of just a different you know scene to or scheduling and things like that so it was just a different kind of atmosphere and it was just it was so many people it was insane but um I mean it's a good thing to have but yeah it was just unbelievable how many people would show up and be a part of these things and um, then it actually made it really hard to even get your points, even though it was yeah. supposed to be easier. It was just there were so many people there that um, it, I feel like it even made it possibly harder because now you're just it went back into that. Well, if you can do one lap fast, you're in. And yeah. uh, that's always been like my my weakness. I'm a, I'm a racer. I can't do the sprint laps. So uh, that kind of hindered me because when I was first starting, you just had to qualify for the main and score, I think, like. 50 points or something like that or 60 points or something like that and you had to qualify into the main and then you get the points from the main and then it went into the new style where you just had to get like three points and just make the night show and uh. um but that's when you had like 80 entries in the one class and it was just like you couldn't even fit yourself like through and make make any room and it was just pure chaos so um but I think it's cool like it's like it's a whole different type of riding. Like you see some of the sections and oh, not some of the sections cause there's only like four, but um, yeah. like my, my thing was that I always sucked in the whoops, couldn't handle the whoops. So I just, I had to do the three, three and the three, three in the next section after the whoops was like hit the corner as hard as you can seat bounce and just pray to God that you're lined up <laughs> even yeah. to make in the lane and then to make it as far as you could. And that was like my go-to every weekend because I just like, I don't know. I just whoops were my weak point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I, I don't think there's that there's, there's not many people that throw a leg over a dirt bike to ever actually hit whoops. So <laughs> yeah. And, and hit them well and fast. So, I mean, I think we only see that at the top level now anyway. So, yeah. um, yeah, I'm not gonna, be too bummed that whoops were my my weak point but ironically yeah. enough when i raced against women i was the only one that could really hit them so it was yeah. like kind of ironic when i raced the women for like x games and stuff i'd gap them in the whoops but when i'd race men they'd gap me in the whoops 
Yeah, well, I, I, you have to think like the the difference physical of physicality between men and women. Like that's really where it would show up is is the whoops because like even in the men, that's a separator for for men. So then it's like you take a male body versus a female body. Like there's going to be a, a a big difference there, just purely based on like strength. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and and too, I mean, then when you narrow it down of how many tall people versus short people can go fast through whoops. So, um, (laughs) so, I mean, I'm obviously on the shorter caliber. So like I was at like not one default, but two that I was just like, well, you know, I got I got all odds against me to get through these things, but we're going to try anyways. (laughs) Yeah. But that's the thing that I always go back to. Like, I even had Duran Stapleton on the podcast. I'm not sure if you know Banger. But um, he's like, Aussie dude that's over there. And he's like, pumped if he gets in the mains and gets like a 17th or whatever. And he's like, man, I know I'm shit. And I'm like, bro, you're comparing yourself to Jet. <laughs> like, compare yourself to me. You ain't shit. So, like, anybody that's on the floor with a dirt bike at Supercross, like, you're actually a fucking G. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that he may have gotten seventeenth, but I mean, seventeenth out of everybody, like in the in the country, the world, you know, yeah. the world too. I mean, we have people that come from different, you know, countries to come races. So like, seventeenth may not sound too good, but when you compare it against the entire world, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you talked about the the media side of like how much they got you to do. Do you ever think that if, like, you did it now with just the way that the world is when it comes to, like, gender and gender equality, like, if you said you were gay and a woman in 2023 race <laughs> Supergirl, like, bro, you would just red carpet rolled out, like, you would, oh, have, every, I know. You would have people marching <laughs> for you. Like, that's the one thing you did in time, right? I know, I know. I messed up on that one, but you know, can't can't win them all, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but so but they they did see like the what they had in in a female racing supercross and like they really wanted to kind of like not push that, but they wanted to like use that when it come to press and and that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even when I was racing arena cross, Feld was actually helping me. Um yeah, and I okay. don't think I don't think too many I don't think they really helped any racers, but you know, even when for arena cross, they were helping me, um, with things. And then when I transferred into supercross, they helped me as well. And obviously, um, the quote team I was on, it was all pretty much media based, you know, they didn't really care if I was even there on Saturday, as long as I was there to show up and sign autographs. So, um, the racing was like the back burner to it because obviously the media potential was what everybody cared about. Yeah. Um, which is fine. I, I, I get it, but, yeah. um, obviously it's the opposite for me. Um, but yeah, it was just like, all of it was pretty much media based, you know, like with felt helping me, I was very grateful that they did. Um, but yeah, it was just a lot of media that went with it, but I mean, every, you know, it's all, it's all good for you, but it was yeah. just like the added pressure of having that spotlight. It was almost like, you know, I was like, you know, the champ at the time, you know, I'm like, dude, I'm just here trying to make a night show. And you're like treating me like I'm freaking James Stewart. So I was just like, it was just definitely overwhelming too. And then it just made it that much more like upsetting when I didn't even make it. And I'm like, oh, this haul, this hype. Yeah. And then I don't even make it. And you're just like, oh, you just don't even want to show your face at that point. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that being such a double-edged sword. And yeah, it's like, it's a big deal to everyone but you, in a sense. Like, you're kind of, like, the last thing you think about is like, oh, I'm a chick trying to race uh, arena cross or supercross. It's just like, I'm trying to race supercross or arena cross. Yeah, and it was uh, it was pretty crazy, too, on the media days, like, the early, early morning stuff, um, which is kind of like what all the privateers do. I mean, you see them do, like, the early morning shift, and then on, like, normal human being hours is when all the factory teams will show up and start riding and do press, and I they pretty much kicked all the privateers out, and then they're like, all right, yep, factory guys are up, and they're like, no, you can stay. And I'm like, What? Because they wanted to give me as much track time as possible, and I was very appreciative of that. Like, I mean, I think my first round, Todd Gendro would like looked at me and was like, "You can have the whole track in Texas," and was like, "You can have the whole track as long as you want." That's and cool. I'm like, and I was like, I didn't expect it, but I was like taken back. And obviously, like, if anyone got that opportunity, I'm gonna take it. Yeah. So and. And so, like, he gave me, you know, I think 10, 15 minutes on the track, and I got, you know, I had to do, I had to do all jumps on my own, but at least I got the opportunity to do them and, you know, just get some comfortable and, you know, get the track figured out a little bit. So, um, not that it helped me because I still don't make it anyways, but um, it was, it's just like, it was rad because I was like, I get the track a little, you know, a little bit extra is huge to me. But, yeah. like, the times where they're like, all right, you can stay, all the privateers got to go. And then they're like, all right, you know, Vicky, Dunge, Musquid. And I'm just like, what makes you think it's a good idea for me to be with them? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I mean, like, media-wise, sure, we might be neck and neck, but speed-wise, it ain't that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, a so, t- I'm a basically a rolling tough block. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm here to survive. They're here for, like, seconds to push and like you know like I am not that I'm here surviving and and trying to just like make make it to the next round and they're here just like finding every single you know line quad whatever they can find and I'm just like I don't think I belong here (laughs) it it must have felt so sick though when you finally did put it in the main event at Supercross though yeah absolutely I mean it was just like one of those things where I was just like I didn't even know till I got back and I think I I forget who was waiting for me I think someone from Feld was waiting for me at my pit and I they were just like arms up and I'm like no way I finally did it and just like just the biggest relief like I didn't even like put two and two together I'm like man I can do barely do one lap in practice I'm like how am I gonna do like seven or eight but I just was like I don't care I'm going and and just like enjoying it and it was an enjoyable experience like when you finally did get to get out there or yeah it was I mean I qualified at Vegas and it was also one of the most yeah I know (laughs) and it was one of the most excruciating pains going down Monster Alley with that much roost Uh, it was it was like almost like borderline instant regret and I was just like (laughs) getting pelted to where I've never felt roost before and just going down Monster Alley and was just like is this worth it (laughs) and then I was like finally we're at the first turn because it feels like miles when you're going down that straight and uh and then after that I'm like trying to battle and I'm like "Uh oh I'm getting sick and I was just like all right back it down and I'm like I'm not in anywhere near qualifying position anyways so just like just screw it like cruise around like jump some stuff have fun and just like enjoy it and then I think 
either in the heat race or the LCQ. I can't remember. Oh, it was a heat race. That heat race, somehow it timed out perfectly to where I was the last one that didn't get lapped. So oh. I pretty much had a whole lap by myself and I was like borderline should I just pull off like I don't I don't want to do the awkward walk of shame through this whole last lap (laughs) and I was like ah screw it so like I just like pulled the wheelie all the way down Monster Alley and it was the most like unreal like feeling and just like the entire stadium lost their minds and just was screaming as loud as they could and it was just like once again like a beautifully timed thing that happened to where I just pretty much did like a parade lap by myself (laughs) and was like holy crap like they're just screaming for me and I'm just like and like like to to be able to hear that many people over a loud dirt bike and just like it's such a special feeling like that you you never forget it and that was just like one of those moments to where I was like holy crap like this is insane like what I've done that is so so sick and then to do it in vegas last round and then you're in vegas after it and yeah you just get, get to go and enjoy that yeah immediately into celebration station that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so cool eh? like uh, i guess i i mean i hadn't i hadn't really thought about it too much but you know to hear the journey that you had to go on to kind of just get that one moment like it's pretty sick yeah and it was it's crazy it was just like one moment and I think the following year I only made one as well I got close a couple times and had to do the this awkward like uh, the um like alternate you know so Uh, I was like I had to like show up in gear to the starting line to see if anyone else showed up and it was just like just a horrible walk of shame type thing just like well I'm just here just in case I guess and (laughs) so um but yeah I I think I made Toronto and I enjoyed Toronto the second year and I was still battling with the same stuff and um yeah same thing I was stoked to be able to you know not just one-off fluke and I wish I would have made more but um you know it is what it is I made two at least and uh that's two more than you know anyone else can say so I'll take it yeah 100% (laughs) so what was the setup like bike wise transporter wise like how how did all like the logistics work so um not a huge knock but I was on a Suzuki 250F and uh, that's right that did not help my case um Mm. I it was a, obviously I love the bike, but I when you think put it up against rate, other bikes, <laughs> it it wasn't fair. I mean, I yeah. was already at you know a deficit, and then unfortunately being on that bike definitely didn't help me. Um, and I wish I would have maybe just backed off from the support and went on a different bike. Um, but you live and you learn that it is what it is, and um, not knocking the bike completely, but I believe a a stock ktm at the time was one horsepower faster than my race bike so (laughs) i just like disadvantage yeah i was just like like this is the best we can get it you know there's nothing else we can do and um i think after we did all that i think jamie from twisted helped me out and got it a little bit faster um but yeah i was just like i'm already you know i i needed not that it would have made a huge difference but it would have given me a little bit more confidence in a couple of the sections like there are like triples out of the corner and i'm looking at i'm like no chance i'm making that 
yeah. like there's just no chance and like i would another kid in my practice would would on a you know on a faster bike um cased it and i was like i told you i'm not making that and like it you know it's just like certain scenarios where i think that if i was just maybe on something that would have given me a bit more confidence and a bit more power like not saying it would have i would have been 10 seconds faster but i would have just i think it would have been you a would bit have better for, for me. sure yeah yeah i would have been winning out there for sure but um <laughs> yeah i think it just would have gave me a bit you know the confidence i needed because uh, that's what i was lacking yeah yeah and so that was through like a team you had like kind of a bit of a deal going on like you weren't really in a position to switch yeah i i had help from suzuki at the time not like a huge amount um but you know they were giving me bikes and and that was super helpful um and i was like a part of a team that had like a semi and things like that so the the team was helping like all the financial part of it so like you know at our disclosure we made the bike as as best as we could you know and that was just unfortunately like I had old parts from like I think Rockstar Husky back in the day like the Anderson had and I had those on there but like it's just it's all just outdated things so even yeah. back then it was just outdated you know product so um we were doing the best with what we had and I, I definitely like I had transportation for the bikes in the semi um both years and um it was like a kind of just a privateer like factory or not factory but just like a privateer team yeah, but we had like yeah, a semi yeah. and you know like we had we had we looked the part at least you know yeah and so what was your like you did the two years of doing supercross like did you have monster at the time like sponsorship wise like where where were you at kind of career wise because then you go from there were you doing x games at the same time like i'm just sort of trying to like line up the timeline so that year that's when i think x games was kind of going away for racing at least but i was yeah. still doing um i was getting invited to best whip at the time and then yeah. i was like slowly getting invited to just like some some jump stuff because i had a 450 um of like a personal 450 that i had just for like fun stuff like um that was like my free ride bike ramps and stuff like that and so i was using that um as well of just like I didn't have like grabs or I wasn't in like the full freestyle mode yet, but I just like, I, I had that for just like, um, that's when like Fitzlin was, was still around and really big and popular. So like I had it for there and just like kind of just a fun go play ride bike type thing. Um, so I had that and then I was using that for like best whip and like X games and stuff like that. So I think I had it, I competed on it the year, uh, the last year's Supercross maybe, something yeah. like that somewhere in that time frame and i had it for that and um i think that's when it was uh, x games in texas yeah and uh, yeah. i had i had a suzuki 450 for that and i was invited to best whip for that and um that's kind of where um i transitioned after supercrosses i think once i did supercross i went into x games best whip yeah i think that's one of the first times where i was really like huh Vicky Golden fucking rips. <laughs> it was like those first, those first like best whip, and it would have been on that that four fifty. But yeah, I think that was definitely the first time where I was, I really would. Okay, yeah, she's like pretty much as good as like everybody else. 
Yeah, I think that was also the time I was, I just got on the militia too. So I was like really getting able to, you know, I was riding with a lot of those guys before, but then I was obviously getting invited to more like um, just events and stuff like that. So I was just like slowly transitioning over there. And um, that was the same time where I was just getting poked at to like, oh, if you just cut some grabs in that thing and you know, do learn a couple of tricks, you'd be making so much money. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'll do that later. I'm going to go race and just yeah. spend all my money. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of where that time frame was. And like, that's kind of how the transition occurred as well Is that, um, I was kind of doing just like ramp stuff as like a little getaway from racing and doing all that. And I like started, um, I rented a room to Matt Byton in like 2010 or 11. Yeah. And, uh, he was the one that was like, uh, you could just go here and, you know, do you want to come over to Potter's and, you know, go ride for a little bit? And then and that was the time when I'm like, Todd Potter's terrifying to me. <laughs> and uh, I was just like, yeah, all right. And just getting invited. He'd just kind of bring me everywhere on my days off. And I'd just go rip around with him and go to, you know, Potter's, Fice, Fitz's. Like, the, that's when, like, we had so many places to ride. And it was just like freestyle was just booming, too. So, yeah. I was just kind of mingling in with them because, um, you know, that was, like I said, like I wanted to take some time off from doing, you know, logging laps and I wanted to go have some fun. So I'd go ride with them. Yeah. I mean, you're the ultimate version of like just a person that loves to ride. And because you'll ride anything, anywhere, anytime, like you've managed to carve out this incredibly niche, like career for yourself. Yeah, I think that's what I'm like most grateful for is that yeah. I get to do literally like whatever I want on a dirt bike. <laughs> yeah. And and it's like the the most amazing feeling because not many riders get to do that. And in fact, like I mean even the racers, they'll get yelled at if they go try and touch a ramp or go out in the hills, you know, like and, and as they should. I mean, they're they're making, you know, millions and, you know, championships are on the line and things like that but you know like I'm just in such a unique special place to where if I want to go race something let's, let's go racing I got a bike for it. if I want to go do you know a freestyle event let's go I got a bike for it. if I want to go try something new or go trail ride let's go you know like and I'm very blessed in a way to where social media helps captivate that so it's kind of just come all full circle to where um, yeah, I just start getting to do events and whatever kind of shows up, what, no matter what it is, I'm like, I'm down for it. I mean, shoot, I think a couple years ago, Fast House invited me out and they were like, hey, you and Tyler, you want to go do like a Heron Hound? I'm like, the heck's a Heron Hound? Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sure, yeah. sure, I guess. And I was like, well, I ain't doing it on my bike. That thing will be thrashed. And so they were like, they rented me a bike from like one of the off-road teams and we did a Heron Hound. <laughs> Yeah, it's so cool. Like the, I guess the way that you have been able to, I guess, like make a career out of just writing whatever. But like, how did it? I guess when was it in your mind that you? Because right now you would see yourself as like a business in a sense, or like you've got a job basically. But it probably didn't feel like that for a little bit. Like, you, what, did you feel a little bit like? out in the wind like oh, i'm a racer i'm this i'm trying to be this like when i stop racing maybe i'll have to get a real job like where were you at before it got to like this level 
so I'm not really sure when it like fully transitioned into this because I would say there was like a, a period where I was like strictly a freestyle rider and I think that was like one starting out it was like one of the toughest times because I had to one I guess kind of make a spot for myself and not kind of just hold out it was kind of I don't know it's it's tough to like basically I was getting approached for a lot of shows when I first transitioned but they were all for like dirt cheap so I had to hold myself out until I got paid for like what I thought I deserved and that was like a whole different business sense that I didn't really like get and I was learning and so I was saying no to so many shows because they weren't what I thought I should get paid and you know how it works like you say one to one at one yeah. rate that's your yeah. rate yeah so I was going through a pretty tough time financially of like all right well I gotta ride and learn tricks and I'm not making any money now because I just left racing so I was like trying to figure that out and once that kind of got sorted um and I was like kind of at the lowest my bank account probably had ever seen yeah. and it was like, all right, maybe we should start eating top ramen again type thing. And just like, just having breadcrumbs for dinner. So I was like, all right, like, let's figure it, like, it's got to happen soon. And, um, that's when I started like transitioning, getting actually some decent shows and things like that. And, you know, things were starting to go my way, but that's also, I think the same time I realized that I'm not a freestyle rider and I can't, I can't do that. Like, I'm not that type of person. I'm not that type of rider. Um, that was just, I'm not a show pony. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm just not that way. I'm, I'll what, do the what shows. Doesn't ap- what doesn't appeal to you in that way? Um, I think one, it's a lot of, uh, at the time it was like a lot of like the party scene and mm. l- very little riding because the shows were super short or, you know, you're stuck on tour or something like that. And it was just just not the scene I wanted to be a part of, and I was not. I did not ever sign up to to drink my life away and occasionally ride a dirt bike. And I I think too like a lot of freestyle riders aren't really like bike skill capable. I'm not saying they're all like that, but yeah. some I feel like you know what I mean. Like it's just yeah. like a point and shoot type thing. Yeah. And um, I don't know. Like one jump is not satisfying to me. Um, it's fun for a little bit and for shows, like I still love going to shows and, and being with the fans and things like that. And like, still like, you know, putting on that for the fans and and being around those people. But it was just like a point where I'm like, this can't be it. Like I can't do one jump for the rest of my life. Like I I can't do it. You know? And like, I, I enjoy all types of riding all the time. And so it was just to a point where I'm like, you know what, like, I don't think I am a freestyle rider. I'm going to go and do like what I want when I want. And I'm going to just see kind of where it takes me. And that's like slowly too of like being on like with the right brands like Fast House where like they really, they don't care. Like, you know, like they're, yeah. they're like not really like that's their brand. Like, well, do you want to come race Two Stroke National? I'm like, heck yeah, I do. And do you want to come race Dan there? I'm like, yep. And so, like, just all these things started opening up to where I could be what I wanted to be, which is ride everything. Like, I yeah. I truly love to, like, be able to have a motorbike and go, you know, do 30s. And then I the next day I'll go ride ramps and have fun and work on tricks. Like, it's just, I think, 
I'm just not a freestyle rider, you know, like it's just not my nature and I'm okay with that, but you know, I'll still do freestyle shows and it's still super fun to me because I don't have to do them 24 seven. So it's just like, it's just like a niche that it's just another like, you know, area I get to dabble in, you know, and that's kind of like where I, I truly enjoy being able to like, I love learning new tricks and like, you know that art of it but I also like I said like I love going to do like random races going to tracks and like just traveling and you know riding different tracks different you know free ride setups so I think that's like too where Tyler kind of pushed that and made it uh an actual like not just a little wedge he Yeah. yeah he he truly like opened the door to make it to where it is a category now it's like it's a straight up thing where you can go and do and it's known in scene so he definitely like paved the way and I think that kind of goes back to like my roots too like I didn't grow up going to tracks I grew up riding in the hills like that was that's what we did and that's probably where most of my bike skill came from as well because it wasn't a, a perfectly groomed track we like we trail rode out and we cut a track in the hills and it never got groomed it never got watered unless it rained and that's what we rode on so like it was just like that's what i grew up on and like those are my roots so like um that free ride vibe is kind of just like i have drawn towards it because of you know like that's just my upbringing yeah yeah no it makes total sense so when when did monster get involved because i feel like for a person like you that is dabbling in all these different places it's like it's a you're like a i mean a free surfer or a you know like a a skater that just makes like video parts like there's a there's a few people in our industry that kind of have that title like i think berriman's one of them axel's one of them twitch probably has that lane that he created for himself where it's like you just get paid to exist as a writer and it's like your job is just to capture it or represent it and it's uh it's such a unique kind of title i feel like a sponsor like monster and you know and fast house as well like they're kind of brands that give you that freedom and and like almost I think especially with monster it's not so much like the the support as much as the platform too you know like you you get reposted on their socials or the website or the youtube like that shit's getting views you're getting exposed like they need you you need them it's like a pretty it's a pretty cool relationship yeah absolutely i mean i i started with monster um in 2019 and it was actually i was kind of like just you know talking with them um beforehand and I just like I didn't quite have enough to like push me over like to you know like all right here's your contract type thing you know I just needed like a little bit more and of what I was doing and that was kind of the same time where I think I got invited to X Games for Best Whip again and then I got I was starting to do um Evil Live 2 so kind of I think that just like bubble of things where I'm like that's kind of was like that's enough to you know you know push the the top heads and and get them you know what I needed and help me give the platform and obviously with Evil Live Axel was already um on board with it so like what's better than one monster athlete too so it was just like I think just all the pieces were were fit to be able to uh, 
to captivate and be you know get brought on board um through that those two events being kind of so close together and that kind of just sparked everything and then we started um just kind of rolling from there and and it's been uh, it's been unreal to be honest I mean the places they've been able to take me and and be able to do and it's been insane like one of the best best events I think we've ever gotten to do was like um when we did Amsterdam for MX Nations yeah in, in Assen and me Axel and, and Twitch got to do like the bit bike nations and do freestyle shows for all those fans like i don't know it was just such a cool experience and and like and it was all thanks to monsters so it's just like um yeah just being affiliated with those brands it's cool to see where like they'll they'll take you is it the kind of deal where it's like okay sign here here's your monster contract here's your hat here's your helmet is that literally like a overnight life-changing kind of deal yeah for sure for me it was because um i i mean i grew up with nothing and i like fought for every dollar that i've made so um and i don't ever take that stuff for granted either you know like i will make sure like i'll count you know every penny and make sure like i don't know i'm just that's the way i'm wired because that's the way i was brought up like money is is precious because it's easy to not have yeah, so it's hard um, to make and it's hard to make, especially with what we're doing. So, um, when I got that, it was just like, you know, like a, uh, just a feeling of relief. Like, I bet, um, yeah. obviously it's just like, it's obviously the money side of things is like, oh, like you, like to have a contract is, is a super huge relief, but just to have like, um, I don't know, like in our world, like to be, uh, have an energy drink sponsor, it's like, it's such a huge, like, um, a barrier to break and yeah, just to be yeah. almost like you know what I mean like it's just like a it makes something of you and and you kind of are more like respected that way and more you just like all right she like she's here to play you know like yeah and it just kind of gives you that little extra confidence and it gives you a little extra respect around the community like it's just like it does more than what you think it does and like mm -hmm. I don't ever take that for granted because like I get to put on a helmet with a with a monster claw and I know what that represents because you know all the people at the you know the uh, the company you know they believed in me enough to give me this so I'm gonna you know do everything I can to keep it yeah I mean it it has more of an effect than what yeah people think and like obviously there's the like the relief that you would get from someone like writing a check for you every month or like however the deal's structured like to take that financial pressure out of it and that just lets you create like because essentially it's like you're an artist in a sense where you have this bike you have this two wheels and then you get to go out and you get to come up with a new trick or ride it in a new place or you know do a show here or you, you kind of have this like creative freedom now and you know i think berriman's such a great example like do you remember when berriman got the red bull helmet and there were so many people being like what the fuck did berriman get a red bull helmet you know like there was that chatter going on and it's like look at what he did with that like his career just oh, yeah. and it wasn't like his career um it wasn't like they made that 
it's like here was this guy that had so much talent and so much to offer but he didn't have the financial backing he didn't have that representation he didn't have the platform and then you see that it's like okay kid what do you want to do and then he goes and does the crazy like the craziest shit the levels that he's taken you know dirt bikes to in in the lane that he wants to is massive and that is because he had that support absolutely and i think the the most special thing about tyler outside of the way his insane brain works is that you know you see like other riders they do all of these tricks you know they you can probably you know they have like a book of tricks and tyler does just sick whips knacks yeah Yeah. and he you could just watch him for hours like his (laughs) trick list is like you can count it on one hand and it's just like i could sit there and watch it all day and just like ride with him all day and just watch the way he works and you're just like what like it just like (laughs) it's truly like i i do it all the time like and he's just like him as a person is so like contagiously inspiring and and i think that's what you can't get from a screen is what people don't see as well is that like even if he's there and i just get to ride with him for the day i'm just like all right let's go you know like what can we do and it's just like it's just like uh, i don't know he's just very contagious the way he is and in in all good ways and well some bad but (laughs) but uh yeah he's just yeah he's just mental and uh uh, it's very it's been a blessing to be able to go to imagination with him all these years and and just watch him do his thing yeah yeah that's uh it's such a good point with him that all these guys are getting paid to do like double backflips triple backflips like where's oh, yeah. where's that shit gonna stop and then baron was just like ear on <laughs> and yeah and everyone's just like but exactly right when he right when he signed that red bull deal the first thing that he did the first trip was he went to farm jam and you remember Mm -hmm. that fucking video that just went crazy viral of him fifth gear turn up oh yeah it's just like that right there oh yeah I mean, and it's crazy because not just one of those videos have gone viral. Like, multiple ones of his turnips, like, don't make any, like, legitimate scientific (laughs) sense. Yeah, he does it all the time, and every time it's just like, how? It's just, it's mind-blowing sometimes. Yeah, it's funny, though, like, now that I think about it, too, people said the same shit about Axel when he was on Monster. You know, like, even even people were, like, talking shit on him getting a monster helmet. And you look at that now, it's just like, what the fuck? That guy's on some other shit, too. Yeah, and I think that's what's special about, you know, like, these brands doing that. Is yeah. that they see something that most people or all, you know, 90% of people don't. And they see it for a reason. and And that's what, like... And, and then you give them the tools, like you said, to do what they see that you can do. And then it happens. And everyone's like, oh, well, where'd that come from? And everyone, you know, all the brands are like, we told you, like, we knew it. Like, they yeah. weren't, they were expecting it, you know? And um, I mean, with Axel, I don't know if anyone could expect the, the enormous stature that he's created and the things that he's done. But I believe that, like, obviously, like, there his family saw it like everyone saw the potential is there 
And it's funny enough that once you left racing, it all came true. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there must be, and I mean, you could speak to this, but there must be something that it does for your own level of self-belief. Like when Monster came to you and said, here's the deal, here's your hat, here's your helmet, like you're part of the crew. There must be something that it does internally for your confidence as well that like helps you reach that next level. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's like, that's kind of what happened to me as well. And, and I started just like, you get the feeling of, well, for me, I'm in, I'm kind of like the odd man out or odd woman out, I should say, is, <laughs> is that I, I always never really felt like I belonged. Like I was just doing this and I was there. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. And then once, you know, I, I got the monster helmet and things like that, I'm like, okay, so I, I was doing the right things and I belong now and, um, you know, I have a purpose. And that was just kind of like a relief of like, okay, I'm not crazy. Like yeah. there's, you know, these people believe in me for, for all the reasons because I think with like a fast house, they see you um, more as a human and not as an athlete. So I can, it's a comfortability thing with them or their family and if I get hurt for two years, they will be right by my side because I, to them, am a, a good human that will yeah. be there no matter what. And and that's a comfort thing on one side of the spectrum. But as an athlete, like you want to have that, um, like that drive forward to to like, all right, like almost like a make or break thing. And yeah. like, I think I think Monster is that for a lot of athletes. Yeah, and so did you... Did you have like when you were like oh, okay I'm, maybe I'm not crazy like did you have a vision of what you thought your life could be and it's sort of the life you're living now but you just didn't know if anyone else actually believed in it as well uh, Yeah pretty much I mean like it was getting to the point where I was like I was starting to like feel like more respected and doing things like trick wise or riding wise that was more respected and and it wasn't just like oh the girl can do the jump you know and that's like kind of how it started Wait, that's because... me the girl can do the jump anytime <laughs> I do a big jump <laughs> so it like it escalated from that because like that's kind of like why I got started in the first place because like I was just jumping you know 75 because one that's all there was there wasn't a ramp pushed in or anything so I was just like jumping it for fun and then it was like I remember one of my first shows, it was like, oh, we need a girl. And I'm like, yeah, but I can't do any tricks. I can like kind of whip and knack. And they're like, we don't care. We just need a girl to jump 75. And like that's how it like started. So like, that's literally, I was like, we need a girl and the girl can do the jump. And that's like legit how it started. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, I can't just keep like, like I need tricks. Like this can't go on like this. And then that like it escalated into like, learning tricks and then I started doing certain tricks that like not even a lot of guys would do I mean granted they're all you know just upright tricks but just like certain tricks or things like that they're like oh we, we only a couple riders can do those so it was just like certain things started coming to me and I was like pushing to learn those things more and then that's when like certain tricks were more appealing to is just like just kind of the added confidence of like all right like I want to do not your average tricks that everyone you see all the time you know and and just kind of get creative or add my style into them and just like push from there and just really try and and separate myself even though I'm already different but 
in my eyes, I wasn't any different at that point. And that's like yeah. when I think st- things started shifting because I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not any different than your best freestyle rider, even though like on paper, I didn't have double flips or even single flips or whatever it was. I was just like in my brain, nothing's different. I just don't, I, those tricks just don't cater to me. Like, I just don't like, I don't like the way they look or I don't like feel like that would fit my style. And I was just like, I want to go after certain tricks that I feel like appeal to me or that I enjoy doing or that I think look sick. And then that's like when I started like chasing after, you know, different avenues in, in that kind of scenario once I first got on board and like kind of just like fueled the fire of like, I, I want to like, I'm, I'm seen as the same, but I still want to be different. Yeah. 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 And I think that's like one thing that it seems like with you where you just hold yourself as a rider and it's not like you're, you're not a girl rider. They're not guy riders. Like that's probably one of the keys to your success. And like, you'll hear Twitch say all the time, like, oh yeah, she's just one of the, one of the boys, you know, like it was that a big part of the mentality is to like, not think of yourself as a girl in a sense. Yeah, um, it's safe to say, especially with with my crew, that my yeah. girl card was revoked a long time ago. Um, I mean, and like, that's I, so fucked I've, up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I I fully like I I need it like yeah. to for me to operate the way I do. Like I fully need it because like the days that I ride like shit, Jeremy will be like why are you riding like a little bitch yeah. and just like call me on it and I'm just like I don't know and just like it just like works you know and like or if there's like a jump like I want to do her out in the hills and he like looks at me he's like quit being you know like quit being a girl go do it like what are you waiting on or he just like pull me and he's like hey let's go and just like there's no there's no option and like and if I don't do it which rarely ever happens because I don't want to hear about the aftermath of it is I'll just go do it because I I avoid like I don't want to get the whole end of the stick of just getting shit talked on so I was just Uh, like "Ah." it's just easier if I go jump it than have to listen to it all (laughs) so that's kind of like how it turned into and then um yeah but like those boys are like what kind of like make make everything work because like I I do owe a lot to Jeremy to Axel to to Tyler and you know all those dudes because they don't treat me like a girl they treat me as if like you know I'm just another rider learning another trick or trying to do another jump and they see the skill and the the technique that goes that behind it and that's all they see they don't see well oh she could get hurt doing that it's nothing nothing ever crosses their mind it's like hey like quit thinking about it go do it because they fully believe that i i can so even if i don't fully believe in myself as long as they tell me i'm like all right cool let's go yeah it's such like a I've thought about it so many times and I just see you in like their videos or I'm like watching any of your stuff it's such a a cool dynamic to have a group of guys that are like the top of the top and at at one time like dude think about Twitch crusty demons 20 years old like think about that dude having like a chick in his crew riding all the time like it's probably it's probably the last thing that he thought would have ever happened in the lifestyle that that those guys were living but so you got that group of guys that's like macho fucking traveled the world just just absolutely living like savages for so many years 
and then they're now I don't know whether I'm making it more dramatic than it is, but it's like so you've got like that crazy end of like the male spectrum, and then you've come into this crew, but then you're also bringing this super high level of writing that they almost like can't deny and then those two worlds have come together and now it's like such a rad crew um and it's like almost seemed like it's crossed any of those barriers now i don't know i think it's just such a really cool and unique thing it's really cool on their end and it's also really cool on your end like everyone's pushed a certain level to be there if that makes sense yeah and i think i i mean bringing back to your point i don't think that there would ever be a time where you know multiple times where jeremy didn't want to jump something and then there i go and i jump it before him and he's like he's just like i can't i gotta do it now like there's just no option you know like so it just kind of goes full circle of like like both sides like you said like if i jump something they're like oh now we gotta jump it for sure like even at like i think uh I think it was an ascent for MX Nations. It was like cold and windy and rainy and the European setups are a little bit different and shorter and steeper. So I was just like, we were all kind of nervous a little bit just to like, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to think about the smallest setup we have at home and I'm going to try and case it. And like, that's what it felt like. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to try that. And I ended up greasing it and I look over and Jeremy needs a toe-in from me. And I'm just like, (laughs) you never like think about like Jeremy wanting like a toe-in from a chick. Like, I don't think like that, like the the kid you spoke about in Krusty Demons would ever fast forward and think he'd be following a chick off a jump. (laughs) Yeah. But But I I mean, that's what makes it so cool. I think is like it, I think that just goes to show like, your level of like undeniability you know like there's a point where you cross where it's just like you can't deny the level of writing like you just can't put a label on this apart from what it actually is but then like you could still be writing that level and all of those guys could be fucking dickheads still you know so then to have like those guys be cool enough on their end to like it gets to that level and then they always go yeah all right it is what it is like she's just an absolute gangster yeah i think one of the most surreal moments was actually uh last year at imagination and tyler had he was like you know barely making it on the bike in time frame for um because of his arm and then he was his ankle was getting bothering him as well so i was um, I came in a day early and started jumping some of the stuff with him and then everyone else showed up and we were kind of, he was starting to tow everyone, but he was getting like, he just didn't want to ride anymore. He's hurting. And so I kind of stepped in as like camp counselor and I just started showing him some lines that we had already jumped and I roll up back over to him and then like all of them come to me and like, Hey, can I get a towing? And then, like, I'd turn over Tom P. He's like, can I get a toe-in? And then Axel, hey, can I get a toe-in? I'm like, it was just, like, a surreal moment for me of, like, all these gnarly, gnarly, gnarly dudes are asking to follow me off of a jump. And I'm just, like, it was just, like, I don't know. It was just so surreal. Like, even to this day, like, I've I've done so many things. And then just to turn and, like, Axel, of all people, like, trust me enough to, like, followed me yeah. over a jump and like want to trust my timing over his own so it's just like uh, I don't know it's just so surreal sometimes even like t- on my own capabilities of of where it's come 
Yeah, and and I think that is cool. And and there's there's such like a pressure these days for like equality and like we shouldn't talk about this and like it doesn't matter if you're a girl and it doesn't matter if. The, but it's like at the end of the day, I I kind of almost feel like that robs you of something because it's like it is pretty special what what you've been able to achieve and like the work that you've put in and there's no anytime you're the only one doing something that I, th- I think that there's like that's hard no matter what like even if you've got other guys around you even if you've like whatever like to be the only one like existing and <laughs> doing the things that that you're doing like it actually is worth celebrating you know like it, it's sometimes we want to just gloss over all this shit because it's like not politically correct or it's not whatever but in my in my eyes i'm like fucking this is rad like here's a chick that's doing a thing that no other chick is doing and then like you said you get some of the best dudes in the world are leaning on like your knowledge and your advice i'm like let's fucking be really pumped on this because that's actually super cool yeah absolutely and i mean like you're right like it's kind of crazy times we live in now to where equality is is pushed but I mean, when it comes down to it, like, I wouldn't be where I am if everything was equal. And, you know, and at the same time, I am who I am and I've done what I've done. And it's special because of two things is because I'm different. And the second thing is, is like, I am at an extreme disadvantage. Like, there's no way around it. I'm just purely not as strong. Like, it's just like how the how the world works you know like we're different so I think that you know like when I like take a step back and I think that's when you know especially like at competition times when I I get invited to go to x games or I go to imagination and I get you know like seventh or something and I'm just like like so frustrated at myself and then I kind of have to take a step back and realize well one there's only you know, X amount of top, like, men in the world that get to come to this. And then if I take a step further back, if there was a women's category, um, it would just, it it would just, yeah, I would just be me. So, like, I, it kind of, like, it, it gets frustrating because, like, my days of basically winning are, are virtually not over, but I don't want to seem like a Debbie Downer when I say it, but, like, for me to win, like, like that's such a high level and like I'm I'm real to where like maybe I won't reach that level but it's frustrating when you come from like a winning background or like yeah. you know top of like the women's categories and then you come into all men's categories and you're kind of just like the the little fish in a big pond type thing and you're just like like I just rode my BP added more than 70 billion dollars to the US economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. My heart out and I got like seventh. And you're like, yeah. Sick. <laughs> well, I, but, you I actually, know, it's it's humbling at the same time, you know. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't thought of that because it's <laughs> like you're actually going to all this shit wanting to win, <laughs> like that, that. Again, shows the level of gnarliness that you're at. 
Yeah, I mean, and it might sound stupid to think like that, but why would I aim for Yeah, no, it doesn't at all. It it doesn't make sense. So I'm like, I'm going out there and leaving everything on the table to win. And if I come up, you know, astronomically short of winning, that that is what it is. But if I aim for fifth and get last, uh, yeah, the, the, the blow isn't as hard, but it's... I'd rather just aim for the stars and and come up as short as I come up but yeah I mean for me like I just I go there and I want to win and like I'll put that effort into winning and if I come up short which happens pretty much all the time I'd rather (laughs) do that than than aim and be like well I think fifth is manageable like no one talks like that you know like and that's not the way I'm gonna hold myself to I'd rather aim small and and miss then you know aim for you know something kind of not great and and make it you know like I get to make it goals achievable but those those results wise like I'll never aim like that and like I did have like a lot of personal goals that I set for myself that had nothing to do with like results based and I ticked all those boxes which I'm super stoked on and and that was like a huge milestone for me even though I didn't even didn't even make it to the competition last year, but you know, like I, I ticked so many personal goals off that I was just like, hell yeah. Like that was sick. Yeah. We actually had Mick Fanning in here yesterday, like the professional surfer. And, um, and he was saying that was like a real big part of his competitive life. Like when he kind of started seeing like a sports psychologist and stuff, he was like, I stopped focusing on like the end result as much as just like, he said he set like 20 goals for the weekend and then those small personal goals became his focus and then he was like obsessed with ticket he said even the way like even the way he walked down to the beach before a heat like all these little tiny goals and then he said a lot of times if i did all those goals i'd do really well at the contest but he said like he actually found making those smaller goals within the bigger goal actually a pretty helpful thing in the process Oh, absolutely. And I think that was like my biggest thing coming into imagination last year was those like, I mean, they were small, but pretty, you know, big goals that were personal for me and coming in there. And I was just like, it was just a lot of dig deep moments that no one even saw. And it was just like, I, I like, this is what I like set out for myself. And I think, um, a handful of them were just like doing things on my own, like, I the years prior I kind of relied on Tyler to to kind of get over a lot of the jumps which is I mean no no one's gonna mock me for it yeah (laughs) Yeah, everyone else is doing it (laughs) yeah exactly I wasn't the only one but I was just kind of looking at it and like Tyler has so much on his shoulders that I was just like I want to do this like on my own and like I mean granted there were sometimes I still followed Tyler but I was just like I want to do this on my own. Like, I don't want to follow anyone there at all. Like, if I have to follow Tyler a couple of times, yeah, that's fine. But, like, off, like, the big stuff that that scares me, like, to where I don't really need to, like, the stuff that I don't need to aim for, like, K-Dub's Kingdom side is full of, like, you have to, like, aim for a specific spot. So yeah. I get, like, I, I followed Tyler on a handful of stuff over there. But on the other side, I was like, you're doing this on your own. Like, don't like no following like you just just go with your gut because 
like that's what I needed to trust myself in is just like feel your gut and like go with what that takes you and it you know like I did the 9120 on my own I did one of the ones over the uh like just a little fast house box thing I did that one on my own I, I did pretty much everything on that side on my own and I didn't follow anybody and that was just like a tick box for me and same thing like everyone was kind of like seeing what Tyler was doing and kind of like playing that into their runs and I was like I don't want to do like I want to find stuff for myself that no one else has jumped yeah. and I found a couple things like I think three things on Dub side that were um one with the help of Rife. Rife is like a freaking legend in our sport that no one yeah. knows really about, but he's one of the guys that works for Dream Tracks and he pointed one out and I'm like, dude, that one's sick, but I had to jump it on my own. So it was just like finding all these things to tie my run together that I had to figure out on my own. So I went over to K-Dub's side and I found three things that I had to jump on my own that nobody else even jumped. And I did that on my own. And then my, my next thing was, I want to jump something before anybody, before Tyler. Like, I want to do it and be the guinea pig. And it just, like, it's not easy to do when you have no. Tyler, when you have Josh Hill. Like, dudes that have impeccable timing and they're, like, they'll jump it without thinking and they're normally right anyways. So, like, for me to get all my ducks in order for me to aim to to calculate feel the like just all the things that have to happen for me to jump something I gotta be moving pretty quick to to, to jump something them. before yeah. The, yeah. yeah and like and like dudes just like like they're like moto towards it they're like almost like little kids on like 50s when they're like getting ready to get released they're just just like inching yeah just inching at it so like they're just all chomping at the bit and uh there was one and we were trying to link k-dub's side uh from the other side the 130 over and i like look at steve one of the guys that he's the, like the red bull tm yeah. and he was standing at like kind of like a, a good zone i'm like hey i'm like everyone's over there like looking at something i'm like can, can I jump this because like you kind of need clearance for that one because of all the moving pieces and stuff and I he was like he's like go for it and then Tyler starts like then they start coming over as I like check it real quick and I like I just rush over and turn and I'm like no they're not beating me I'm doing it so I just like got on it click gears and then went over the 130 and was able to grease it first and it was just like one of the best feelings in the world to be able to be like I, I did this before anybody else did and I did it on my own so like it's just like no one would think that's a huge deal but for me like that's huge personal goal especially like up against those guys that will jump it in 0.2 seconds oh man it it is cool like I've been around Tyler at uh at Farm Jam and you know some other places where you know you see guys sizing things up and to be the first one to jump a jump of like serious consequence <laughs> it's actually a super big deal eh? and the like you said the competition's quite fierce to, to pull something like that off and there's some dudes that are so natural with it like tyler's crazy natural with it hill's crazy natural with it hansen's crazy natural with it like they can just look at shit and just know what to do and you're like fuck that's it's a crazy skill in itself and i, I could imagine that like you doing that at imagination this year like the level of confidence that then you would take into all these other scenarios where you'd be faced with that same kind of situation 
Yeah, exactly. And I think too, like it, like you said, like they have just timing that I've never like experienced before. And like, I still don't have like compared to them. I feel like I don't have timing. Um, but the only way to get better is to truly like just do it on your own and figure it out. So it was just, like I said, a lot of dig deep and like, all right, like trust, trust yourself. And like, you, like you did all the work, you did the riding beforehand. Like you did as much as you could to prepare for, I mean, something like this that you can and just like trust yourself and like dig deep and like truly like, I mean, like the consequences are, uh, a little bit more there. So like you just, you truly just kind of got to dig deep and trust yourself, um, in my, in my scenario. And I was just like, all right, like, I feel like I have the timing in me. I just have to see if it, it works. So that was kind of like where I was just like, trust your timing and it'll, it'll work out. And that's kind of where I was. And it also, it was the one thing that ended up hurting me because the last, last jump that I had that I had to make my run work. Um, we just ended up having like wind delays. And then one of the riders in my practice, um, group got hurt. So I like, didn't get to jump this jump that Baker kind of made a lip for me off the side. And I just was like, well, I only get to jump it in my warm up run. And it's like super, super windy. And I was just super uncomfortable and just went for it anyways. And then just completely misjudged everything, went to flat, went into the bushes and just like, uh. that was the end of that. But I just took away all those, those small victories that were kind of a big deal to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes total sense. And so what would you say your like relationship with fear is when it comes to that sort of stuff? Like, how do you get over it? And like, what level of fear do you have? Like, is it something you just try and block out or? Yeah, for me, it's just, I mean, I feel like I have all the capabilities yeah. and the, the talent to do it. It's just basically like not letting fear take over. And like, I think even with like the first year imagination where like in the second, like just pretty much the first two years, I was like, man, I don't know if I belong. Yeah. And I was just, I was just doing things out of pure fear before it even like got to me because yeah. I was like, if, if I let fear take on, like if I let fear in for like four more minutes, I'm like, I'm not doing this. This is t- yeah. too scary. Yeah. So I was just like, you got to do it before your brain like takes over. And that's kind of like what I, I do now and just deep breath and trust, trust myself. Like I've done all the work and I've, I've rode so many things and so many different avenues that I think helps in that scenario where we're if we're at these these gnarly jumps to just really trust myself and if like the fear steps in and that's kind of where I also look to like look to Jeremy or Tyler and they kind of give me that last little like boost of confidence where I'm like do you think this is the speed type thing and and they're like yep you got it go for it and I'm like okay I got it and I just do it so it's just yeah, like, I don't know, I, I, I'm lucky enough to have those kind of people around me to, to add that little extra in. And I don't, it, it doesn't even have to be someone that knows what they're talking about. And as long as I trust them and they're like, that, that sounds like the right speed. I'm like, okay, that's all I needed. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's awesome, man. I'm the, I'm like, anytime I'm around anyone that goes, what do you think about this? I'm like, I'm out. I don't, nah, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not good enough. Don't ask me. I don't want to borrow it. Dude, it's funny because t- Jeremy's normally like that person for like all of us. Like we go to him, like he's just like the, one of those dudes that like he hears something and he knows like the speed. 
Like, he can just, like, I don't know. He's just seen so much that he just has that. Yeah. And I remember looking at, I think, year two, I was just, like, in a super low confidence for year two of imagination. And I was struggling to really pull the trigger on the, I think it was a 130 over the quarter pipe. And I, like, stood there next to him. And and I, like, looked at him, like, do you think that's good? And he was like, yeah, you got it. And I, like, did it stoked. And then after, like, I just, like, remember. And I'm just, like, I remember him, like, Axel coming up to him about something that's, like, super ridiculous. And, like, Axel will do the same thing. And I'll be standing with Jeremy. And Jeremy's like, yeah, you got it. And then Jeremy will look at me and be like, I don't know if he's got it. <laughs> and I'm like, he probably did that to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. He's a uh, he's a very special dude, old, old Twitch, isn't he? Yeah, he's uh like Tyler always says, he's the nicest asshole you'll ever meet, and uh, yeah, yeah. that that stays true to him for sure. And um, I've uh, I've kind of like we're we're a handful of years apart, obviously, but we grew up in like the towns next to each other, and we were like at the same local motocross track and stuff like that. So like our parents were kind of friends and things like that. Oh so, no way! Yeah, so we came from the like the same crappy, sketchy East County living. So I think that's kind of like where I look at him in a special light because like we came from the same same crappy town where you know like it was pretty much drug addiction left and right and just like you know just living off of pretty much nothing so um just to see like him and how he hasn't changed and he stayed true to himself the entire time through having nothing to having everything is like is super super you know like humbling to me and such a good like um role model in a sense I don't hopefully he doesn't listen to this it is start talking shit that I'm actually complimenting him but um yeah he's just like he's just such a like I don't know like he is actually like a genuinely like great human and he may give us a shit ton of shit to deal with but it's it's all in love (laughs) yeah yeah I mean it's a good point too like if you you know you go back and for me like the references watching some of the like I, I can't remember it was like a doco that they did on Twitch or maybe it was like Adventures of Twitch and Scummy or like one of the videos. And man, like he grew up fucking so broke. Like his teeth were all fucked up. <laughs> you know, like oh, he, yeah. had lit- he had like nothing. And like he's rich now and he's the same motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, but he won't hesitate to help any uh, anybody yeah. out. Like it, like he he knows like what it's like and where he came from and he respects the people that are are going through similar things to where they're they've they're pretty limited financially and they're trying to do something with themselves and he'll respect that and he'll give you the shirt off his back if you're if you're willing to do it yeah and and to go through and have the career that he's had and you know like to to make a bunch of money to be super successful but then to just not change like just to be the same dude you know like yeah you get your teeth fixed and you get some nicer shit but like you're the the same you're the same guy like that's a that's a pretty underrated achievement i think especially you know in in the time of fucking social media and all the all the shit like that stuff is just it's so easy to change you when you go through something like that Oh, absolutely. And I think, I don't know, I think maybe, maybe him having, you know, Katrina super young, maybe I think that was like a big part of, of his, you know, 
you know, you had a kid super young and then having, you know, um, the boss lady, Susie, she's like, she's she, does, she doesn't play. Yeah, she's a <laughs> savage. So um, she's just like, I don't know. It's just like having her even around, like for me, like it's just like such a, like a good like person to have around. And like, she's just like I said, she's just she's the boss lady and she'll tell you how it is. And, and everybody needs that, including all of us. So um, she's like, she, I don't know, she's just such a good like person to have around for obviously Jeremy has been been with her for countless years and but just to have her you know on all of our sides as well to to go to for advice and and we we actually like a lot of us go to both of them for so much advice just life yeah yeah because man he's been through so much in his career like you know from where he come from to then crusty demons exploding when he was like 17 18 going through everything that you know you go through on that wave metal militia then the metal militia goes away and then you know like even i guess it's like it's ups and downs in terms of like what you would call success for him too you know and then i think like the whole uh due to era he was so dominant in in that era of like freestyle as a competitor then he goes to the you know like the free ride like he was kind of one of the pioneers there and then to just like he's hit it massive with dbk which is so cool to to see um you know like from a from a business and a financial standpoint and then it's like he's almost really taken on a responsibility to help like the next generation as well like he's honestly had a crazy cool career in life yeah absolutely i mean he he has truly like paved the way like granted like his freestyle career and but like even rolling back to like when he stopped competing and started paving like really I mean not paving the way but like fully opening a door for for basically everything that we do now like most people don't really realize but he was the guy that went to his sponsors was like hey look like I'm not competing anymore I'm gonna go mm. do video parts so you want you enter you out and they're all like we're in so like he completely opened that whole door like and it's like branched off and and formed into probably like kind of what free riding is now but he's the guy that like really like was he straight up is obviously he's told us multiple times like he's just went straight to his sponsors like this is what I'm doing are you sticking with me and they're all like yep so then he went and did video parts and like that just opened up this whole new world that moto hasn't truly seen yeah because you think about every other action sports industry like skating there's dudes that will get paid a shit ton of money sell a fuckload of skateboards and they'll never do a contest in their life there's surfers yeah, that like will fly around parts. the globe yeah they'll fly around they'll they'll go on trips they'll just chase waves down they'll have their own you know content whatever and like for whatever reason moto just never really developed that until jeremy came along really yeah, and I don't know what sparked in his head to, to change that direction and, and maybe because like, you know, the competition was going maybe in a direction he didn't really care for or, or what the reasoning was exactly, but um, I'm glad he did because I think that that created a door, like you yeah. said, like we're artists and I don't think that was we were looked at as artists until he made that so. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're right. So, so what county did you grow up in uh we grew up in like it's san diego county but it's like east county of san diego it's uh he grew up in santee 
and I yeah. grew up in the town next to it was El Cajon. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah that's kind of like really kind of in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could damn near throw a rock to Mexico, yeah, and uh, yeah, that yeah. That's pretty much says about what, where we live, but yeah it was uh it was just a place where like i don't know you just like i wasn't like growing up like it was just different like don't you don't go by yourself anywhere you don't you lock your doors everywhere you go lock your car everywhere you go and like watch your back like i don't know it was just like that's just how i was growing up living like and we we moved in from like when i was like real young we had like we were like a few blocks down but that was like the sketchier part of the sketchy town so yeah. we moved we moved in and moved down a couple blocks that was less sketchy than where we were and and did that kind of thing but yeah i grew up and that was just how we lived i don't know i didn't know any different and i just knew that my parents worked their butts off to to make sure like i could ride when i wanted to or ride when they could afford to take me and things like that and I just seen like they work their asses off to make it make it happen so um you know they they gave me a good work ethic just by you know doing what they do so what did what like what did your parents do and like how did you get into into writing to start with are you only child or you got sisters brothers I have an older brother, but um, we're not really on good terms. Um, he pretty much went down the wrong path um, when he was like 16 and just kept making bad decisions. So um, ultimately, he kind of just showed me what not to do in life. And yeah. uh, that's that's pretty much what I got from him. So, um, But yeah, my, my dad was like, he did a little bit of everything. He was, I think, a gardener for a while and did that. Um, uh, when I started riding and, and kind of getting into it, he started taking photos at the track to and selling yeah. them just to the locals and just being, you know, like the local photography guy and trying to make money while we were at the track. Um, my mom was a, like a bookkeeper and accountant for like a hardware company. So nothing nothing fancy they just they had jobs and thankfully the the company my mom worked for the the boss was like an uncle to me and still is so he like helped a lot of like my racing and helped financially to get me through some tough times when I needed things and bought me my first truck when I was 16 so like he definitely helped out and and got me places where you know my my parents were just kind of financially not able to take me and um yeah but it was just uh yeah just different type of living of just like not having much to go by but I saw like how hard they worked to give me what what little they were able to give me and I just was like I'm not gonna waste it yeah yeah it's always interesting the the mentality that gets I guess like developed when you go through those kind of like situations when you see you see your parents working because I was in like a similar situation where it's like I could see that my parents just worked like crazy hard but didn't really have like that much to to show for it and it's a does like a weird thing when you're a kid you know like i think it can either point you in one direction where you're like fuck it i'm out you know like too hard basket on like life in general or i think (laughs) it, it, it can like give you a real sense of drive and motivation and urgency to like make some shit happen for yourself Yeah. I mean, I was, uh, I was ever in a point where like, I never was like angry or like, why don't I have this? Like I I was never that kid growing up. I just was like, 
I just sometimes I would see, you know, like I would race against, you know, like team green kids. Yeah. Like, oh, like this, like it it doesn't like this sucks, but like it just like the only times I really like were like, man, like this is this is tough was when my bike was broken and we didn't have anything to fix it. And I was I was just riding what whenever the bike would last. That's when we rode it. And I was changing, you know, bald tires for less bald tires. And, you know, we were just, we were just doing things. And I'm just like, man, like sometimes you just look over at like team green or something and you're just like, like, that'd be cool. Wouldn't that be the life? But, but I never was like angry towards my parents. Like, well, why don't you guys have money or why don't you guys work harder? Like, you know, nothing like that. Um, I was just like, you know, like they were, they taught me like, you work for what you got and this is what we have and we worked hard for it so I appreciated everything we had and you know my parents were were parents you know they they I had you know they could be multi-millionaires and I didn't get to spend any time with them yeah. um but you know like it's just like I got you know time with them and like we had a you know good family around us so I couldn't complain then um when I was like 13, that's when everything kind of started changing. My dad got, and he was a rider too as well. And they did like a local vet day, but they intermixed it with like quads and things. So a quad hit him off the face of a jump and almost kind of, kind of Chad readed him like at Redbud or at Millville and like shot him off the side without of his bike. And, um, he ended up being paralyzed from that. So that pretty much that changed completely like full circle everything changed so it was just just a whole just rude awakening for sure so your dad rode before like obviously like he has like your older brother so that was you kind of just grew up going to the track with them and then you just jumped in on it like you didn't want to let them have all the fun like that's kind of how it started for you yeah i'm sure it just started with pure jealousy like I was just like, well, they got bikes. I want bikes, <laughs> and uh, yeah. you know, then then Dad saved they they saved up and got me like a little fifty and um, took me uh, like to the fields and just let me ride around and um, then they started going to like the local motocross track and I got to go with them. So it was just kind of turned in like a family thing of like, oh, yeah. we could get to go to the track and you know some people go to the soccer field or you know go play basketball or whatever and we just like we went to the dirt bike track and and did that so it was just uh super fun to be able to like grow up and still have some memories of just like being a kid digging in the sand and then just oh you're late for your moto go hop on your bike and go race so it's just like it's cool to still have those kind of memories of of just being like a little kid in the sand just riding dirt bikes yeah yeah and so then when you're 13 your dad has that accident what what did that do for like your life personally and then like racing I'm sure got a lot tougher after that yeah it definitely got super tough to just kind of carry on um the weight went pretty much all to my mom she was my dad's caregiver um we took on like the role yeah um it was definitely like a it was a tough thing especially um because he never really bounced back like 
you know like I don't want to like say like certain people that have had these similar injuries or like have it easy by any means but like the way you see like a, a Jesse Nelson where he like obviously I'm not going to say his life is easy by any means but yeah. he's able to go to go do things and maybe go I don't know like his pain situation but he might be pain free or you know not yeah there's super... definitely like a spectrum of, of recovery exactly. that people make exactly yeah, yeah. And, yep. and he was definitely like bottom of that barrel of like not having a day where he wasn't in pain he was Uh, taking ample amounts of of medications to where they were doctors were like he's not gonna live very long and and he had so many complications with nerves that he was just in and out of hospitals surgeries just like it was just honestly just endless for him like it, it never stopped and so he never never really bounced back ever there was a there was a little bit maybe a year or two where he was able to still take me to the track and we'd go riding and like it was still amazing like I was still doing a lot of things on my own like he would basically like I would load everything up and he would just drive me there and um I'd go ride I'd load everything back up and he would sit in the van and watch me um but uh, before that it was just like I was just too young like I was I think 12 about to turn 13 and that happened and I was just like I didn't really they didn't let me go to the hospital to see him probably because he probably wasn't really like in a good place to be seen so they probably kept me away from that for obvious reasons and so I just didn't get like the significance of it being so young and so like if I was like 16 and I seen that I'd probably be like yeah dirt bikes are like I'm out like no chance yeah 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 but the one thing that like even when I talked to him if if he was in the worst amount of pain or the least amount of pain like if if we talked about dirt bikes he would still smile yeah so it was just like how can something take that much away from you and then still give you this this much as well so to to see and feel like the passion he he has with things like it's just like that's where I get it from is just like a full full heart of just two-wheel passion yeah and I mean if if your dad's a dude that's at the track taking photos telling with people like he fucking loves that shit yeah he was uh he was a like it's he's just a huge dirt bike fan like he loved it and uh ironically enough like growing up my brother like cut out like you know back when freestyle riders would like cut their fenders and stuff he uh he cut a set and my dad freaked out on him and was like you are (laughs) not doing that and like that's that's when like like jeremy and like they were not role models (laughs) so (laughs) so like my dad was like you are not gonna be like them like you do you keep your feet on the pegs and you race your race and you don't do any of that so ironically enough like i remember that as a memory but um yeah he was just like he just loved it man like anytime we could go he just his face would light up and and would love to be a part of it and was just so stoked to just see it and watch me ride and and that's kind of like just like just a good passion like you you can't you can't take that away apparently you know and like and if you can't take it away from that man like you can't take it away from me yeah no no amen to that and so when did your brother start to kind of like go off the rails and how much older is he than you 
my brother's seven years older than me. Um, uh, but okay. he, so he would have been 20 he, when you had, when your dad had that accident. Yeah. And he was already kind of headed down the road, getting like DUIs, totaling trucks and things like that. So he was just like, well on his, you know, his own self-destruction, unfortunately. And, um, yeah, that's like, like I said, I was getting taught what not to do real quick. Um, but yeah, I was just like with that going on and I'm sure he was maybe, you know, processing things differently maybe I don't know but yeah yeah it was just like a fully different path of of the way he looked at life and I think he was kind of the kid that was more upset of what we didn't have mm. than of looking at it the other way so um I think that's kind of like just the way he looked at life and is like what well, I don't have because of these people or my parents type thing and yeah. and I looked at it of like how hard they work for what we do have so it was just yeah. two different outlooks man it's so wild how that shit works eh? and like you think about um because i'm i never really thought about it until i went to school like it wasn't until i went to school and kids started like teasing you for like you know if you had like the initials of somebody else on like your shirt because you bought your like school uniform at the like the last year's dudes you know what I mean like, you yeah, yeah hand me downs yeah and like people would like open your tag and be like it's not even your fucking shirt and like you don't have Nikes you lose it like that sort of shit so like it wasn't until school where I even fucking knew that I didn't even really know what like money was essentially <laughs> right so yeah it's like it but it's weird how you see some people like yeah you've got like your outlook and then your brother's outlook and you come from the same family the same you know the same everything and like my mom and her brother have like it's like a very similar deal and it's just like m my mom wasn't even like she basically just left home at 15 met my dad and was like i'm having a better life like fuck this shit and then my uncle was just like the exact opposite route it's just so bizarre the way that it can just split like that you know when you, you're coming from the same place but i think so much of it, it's obviously like your genetics and like who you are as a person but then just like the fucking kids you get exposed to at school or the teacher or like just there's so many external influences that like rub up against you that can just like really fucking derail your life oh absolutely and i think uh I think that was kind of my brother's case too as well as like he just he just had the wrong people around him and he let them influence you and I, I mean that as a kid or even like as a young adult that's or even now I mean that's not easy to do sometimes like so like I, I can I can fully see where it comes from but at the same time like I think that's just where you like you gotta like you know self I don't know what the word self is but like self-regulate <laughs> yeah exactly self-regulate and just like like does that really matter like yeah. at the end of the day and I think that's kind of like where I grew up is like that that never bothered me and I like I don't know like I went to school like not caring and I just like made the friends that I had and I was friends with everybody and I never got picked on and like I stood up for the kids that did and like just hung out with everybody so like I don't know I was just like just a cruiser I didn't really yeah. like deal with that stuff <laughs> yeah yeah it's so sick though that dirt bikes can be such like a grounding thing that can take you through your whole life like i'm definitely in that category like i don't ride motorcycles for a living but like essentially motorcycles in this whole world like that that is my living and when i'm not in this studio 
I'm riding my bike <laughs> and I fucking love it. And there were so many times in my life, like, man, I, the, just being on the bike and like, I was never even really that good, you know, but like just being on the bike was like the place that I always went to. And like, I remember we had a, a friend of ours had a, like a arena cross, supercross track under lights at this property that they had. And like my granddad died when I was like, maybe like 16 or 17 math. Got a feeling I was like in my last year of school, and like we were riding at the track at night, and then my parents just like rolled up to the track and they're like, "Hey, like your granddad's like this is it, you know? He was in like a terminal care facility, and um and so we went there. We like literally said our last goodbyes. Like he he wasn't you know really there. My parents right. were like, okay, what do, what do you want to do? And me and my brother we were just like, can you please just take us back to the track? And like, we just went and just did laps all night. You know what I mean? And it's like, I really, I really do feel thankful in my life that I've found that, you know, like you've just got this thing that can, it's like there for you no matter what. And it's like, it's you doing it. It's not like the bike is there. Like you've still got to get on and do it, but I don't know. It's like, it feels like it can be such a thing that can just get you through so much shit in your life. Oh, that's, that's crazy. Cause I say that a lot. And I like, I even say like throttle therapy is like a truly yeah. like real thing. And, um, I mean, that's, that's gotten me like through so many times. And like you said, like, all you want to do is just go back to the track. And I mean, it's just a place where like it, it truly can like, actually, like it sounds crazy, but like heal you a little bit and just yeah. like bring you, bring you to a place where it just like your mind can be free and that's all you got to focus on it doesn't even matter like if you're fast or you're slow it, it doesn't matter like that's the beauty of it and like that's when like people come up to me or like yeah I love it I'm not that good but I'm like who cares yeah. like it doesn't matter like I I bet you're having just as much fun as I am like it, it don't matter how fast you're going it's just like it's just a, a special thing that like we get to do and and like in so many times and so many injuries and things like that to where like dirt bikes get you into a whole load of trouble but you know they also get you out of it too so um that's like the the special thing about it and uh what I like to like perceive to people is that that I've I've gone through times where if I just go ride like I feel better (laughs) and it's it makes it simple (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it was funny, man. I had like such a weird level of guilt around that for a while, like when I was when I was younger, because I was like, oh, my granddad just died and all I wanted to do was go back and ride. But I, I don't think I could like quite put it into words, like how it was, like you said, throttle therapy, you know? Yeah. And I think too, is like, especially like with my dad passing, like I, I now ride for him as well. Like, I don't just ride for myself. So, like, there's moments where, like, I just, like, get on the track and I just, like, kind of, like, feel them and we go ride, you know? It's just, like, it's kind of weird and cheesy maybe, but it's just, like, a a super special thing that I had with him. So now when I get to go do it, it's just, like, I get to do it for, you know, for the both of us. It's crazy how proud your dad would have been of you, I reckon. Like, I mean, how long ago did he pass away? He passed away in 2017 or 16. So he, he got to he, see he got to see you do some cool shit. 
<clears throat> yeah, he did. Unfortunately, like through that time, he was definitely kind of in and out of consciousness and just like not doing the best. Um, the last like year of his life, he was actually like kind of doing better, less like medication and actually like doing like a lot better and well on his way, which was kind of unfortunate. But um, yeah, like a lot of that time growing up, he was just kind of just like, I hate to say the word zombie, but kind of just yeah. like so medic. He's just like, what are you going to do? You're going to be in pain and just miserable. Like that's not a life either. So he kind of was just taking a lot of medication and like just kind of just not, not really there either. Yeah. So it was definitely just a different feeling growing up because sometimes he was there, sometimes he wasn't. Um, but when he was there or even if he like fully wasn't there like his face would light up and just be so stoked to like talk about riding like it would just never it never left him and that was yeah. like the one constant for him so um yeah I trip out on sometimes I'm like man I wonder if he would like ever if he ever thought like this is what it would turn into you know oh man like just hearing your story for like I've been in those towns where you grew up and like just to it's crazy to think that a girl <laughs> with a dad that had that kind of injury at such a young age like still made it you know like it's so much the likelihood of you quitting is like 98% in my mind yeah I I, I agree I don't think that I looking back to like I just don't get how I got as far as I did with what I had and I just had enough people that because my dad was a good human being he yeah. had great friends and like sometimes they would come over and like help me with my bike if I needed something um I had you know a family that kind of took me in and I traveled to the like the national amateur nationals with so like I had people around me enough like not um you know just just to be there really like and and fill in that gap that I needed help with but at the end of the day like I was like a kid getting shipped off with just people and yeah. going racing and like that's when like you obviously like need your family the most but you know I was just getting shipped off and and going to these places and um yeah I, I don't know how I made it especially with like the the bikes that I had we had to make them last as long as we did like when I won Loretta's I had like I think it was my stator was going out and uh yeah it was just like <laughs> it was just like it would get hot and stop running properly and just like I was beating team green kids and and just a bike that just barely was running so it's just like it it may it doesn't make sense like I just don't get how how I've gotten this far with what I have but that's like the humbling thing too is like I always have little flashbacks of like you made some leaps and bounds with what you had and like now there's there's really no excuse to to do whatever you want to do man it's funny whenever i look at your blacks or whenever i see your shit come up on instagram i'm just like this chick's got some childhood trauma <laughs> because if you look at my blacks i have childhood trauma <laughs> yeah and i think the best feeling ever now is like if i break something i'm like yeah it's no big deal i can afford <laughs> yeah. to fix it and i'm like sweet and and yeah dude i think my dad was like super into like making sure our bikes were like spotless so i like i like just love to make sure like my bikes look good and especially for like what we do on them it's not like like getting motoed out and like roosted and so i'm like 
let's let's go and like let's let's make it sick and and uh my mechanic rob he like he's a genius with colors so yeah. like he just knows what to do with what pieces and and how to build things and just like putting his his spin on things like he's he's the man yeah yeah it's funny like when you uh yeah when you see your bikes and just how like dope and dialed they are uh, and then i look at like my shit where i'm like i do all the most unnecessary bullshit to my bikes but i'm like wait i literally had fucking i had uh broomsticks as bar ends as a kid so I'm oh like, yeah i'm having dope shit yeah exactly like you you worked for it you gotta have it now and and that's like when it matters especially like now that i'm like i'm qualified to ride the the 30 plus class like that's when you need it yeah like, I you, got, agree. you gotta have it so yeah. i'm just like let's let's go all in and i looked the other day and i'm like why does my freestyle bike have an oversized front brake <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't need that <laughs> we don't even, don't even touch it but it's got one. <laughs> oh, that's so sick. You should uh you should race world vets. What is there a is there a women's class? Well, you probably wouldn't race a women's class anyway. Uh, I think there is. Is there? Yeah, Dude, go I, we and have beat one some at like chicks. Go and beat some chicks. Well, Do something different. Fun. Dude, I raced uh, I raced two stroke national and I I raced the 30 uh 30 plus class and me and Doug Dubach were just scrapping. <laughs> through the whole thing <laughs> and i'm just so like sick. this guy was like winning stuff before i was born and we're just like on rails together it's so rad <laughs> oh that is so sick yeah we're up i've got like me me my brother uh like one of my best mates like childhood friends growing up racing this is this is like how dope motocross is right so this guy as a I was working, I was like 17, I just left school and I was working for the Kawasaki dealership trying to do like sales and spare parts. And this guy like walks in, he's all like fucking tatted out, like gnarly looking dude. And uh, and he's like, oh, I want to buy a bike. And I'm like trying to sell him on this KXF 250. And, uh, and he's like, all right, man, I'll let you know. I go to the track like two days later and I see this guy with a brand new KTM 250 and I was like, fuck Aww. this like, fuck <laughs> this guy. He just robbed me of my commission. And uh, anyway, he like unloads this bike and uh, and he goes out, does one lap and gets a flat tire. And he had no toolbox, no quick shape. So like, where we grew up to, it's like 105 degrees. It's like basically Florida summer. So it's like Oof. this dude had no quick shade. He had no tools. He had nothing. He just bought this brand new bike, did one lap. And I was like, I was like, fuck it. As soon as I saw him with the bike, I was over him. And then I saw him get the flat tire. I was like, ah, all right, we'll go help him out. Because my dad had like the, the full quick shade, the whole toolbox, like spare tubes, the whole deal. So we went over. We're like, hey, man, come under the quick come out of the quick shade we'll fix your tire you're not going home because he literally started going home and that was oh. like that was like 20 something years ago and the dude's been like my best friend ever ever since no way <laughs> yeah so that's sick he's uh he's podiumed world vets twice and won at once in the 40 plus class so he's coming over and then we got like another childhood friend that's that's coming over to race as well so we're just going all in that's sick serious racing crew i like it oh yeah we're serious racing guys that, yeah, I like it. They're all good. Like they're actually all quite good. I think they'll all do. They'll all do pretty well. But I'll be stoked if I can do all the jumps. Yeah. Hey, someone's got to win the novice class. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually might be you. I'm wondering though whether like we were talking about it. Yes, I'm like, do I go novice and get tenth, or go intermediate and get thirtieth, 
but intermediate's probably safer than novice it's funny you say that because i tell my boyfriend that all the time he's like he's like a, he's a harley guy or like a he does yeah, all the stunts and like yeah, yeah, on that yeah. stuff so yeah. he's like he's a second like moto's like his hobby type thing and it's kind of turned into like him getting to do a bit of both worlds but he does he was doing novice for a while and i'm like why are you doing novice he's like well i'm not that good and I'm like, yeah, but like those guys are really not that good. And like, they, <laughs> yeah. at least if you go into intermediate, like you get guys that like at least have like some control of what they're doing and you'll be a bit safer. And he's like, well, I don't know. And just like he would go back and forth. I'm like, just race intermediate. And like, it's just so much safer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like, we're, we're actually having that conversation. And then I hadn't even really thought about it, but my brother's like, dude you're probably not going to be able to like have your numbers and your name and shit like on your bike and jersey like that's probably a bad idea for you at like every track in southern california nowadays i'm like man i didn't even think of that yeah that could be i mean you don't really like talk shit on the podcast so so i think nah. you're probably pretty good yeah, like if I you were like bashing riders and you'd probably maybe just throw a t-shirt on and call it a day <laughs> yeah but i think i'm just like super slow and everyone's gonna want to like hang <laughs> i'm gonna be like <laughs> i'm gonna be like in a moto at my full speed and dudes are just gonna be like chilling next to me like watching me ride i'll be like this is the guy huh <laughs> yeah, leave, leave, leave me alone boys i know i'm, I'm trying to work <laughs> that's too good <laughs> uh, so i think you should do world bets i mean if you're coming to do it that'd be pretty sick feel like it'll be a pretty good event this year i'm trying to like recruit as many people as possible it's a crazy cool event in general yeah when do you know when it is fifth of november okay yeah i mean i'll be back in california for that so i could be down what what uh what bike are you running for the for the track days i have a i just have a cali 450 that's set up for moto yeah yeah so i don't that's... even know if i could ride the women's class but I'll, i'm down for 30 plus I finally yeah. like I've been sneaking in 30 plus for a little bit yeah yeah and then now I'm actually 30 so and I haven't been able to race since I turned 30 just schedules just like have ruined me for all the the races I've wanted to do so I'm like I gotta race something because now I'm like I'm I'm gonna be 31 this year and I still haven't like been like legitimately in the 30 class yet so I'm like we gotta do this dude you could be the 30 plus world champion I oh, I don't know. That's pretty brutal out there. <laughs> It'd hey, be a battle for sure. Yeah, you could run. I don't know. Well, are you considered? Oh, you'd probably be considered a pro though, right? Yeah. Well, we have like pro and expert, so I can probably drop to expert and be all right. Because like, I feel like if you race pro, you're still kind of out for blood. And mm. expert, they're like, all right. Well, you you go to work tomorrow, so like, we'll just like pass nicely <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's like i kind of waited to ride motocross or like race motocross again until i kind of like hit that 30 plus because i'm just not interested in being out there with a kid that still thinks he can be ricky carmichael yeah i went and i did um i flew in to ride mammoth and like just the way the schedule i was trying to ride vet weekend and race vet weekend but i couldn't make it until like later in the week so i went and rode like the amateur practice day and just even the practice day they're just like out for blood yeah. and i'm just like i just did my first lap and just trying to like feel like get warmed up a little bit and they're just like on the revs blowing berms like just like ruthless and uh, we literally like did a couple more laps and we left and went trail riding 
<laughs> that's hectic yeah i was just like i think vet weekend's my time it's my time to shine vet weekend yeah that's actually Those on my, my bucket people. list yeah that's on my bucket list too to, is to do is to do mammoth yeah mammoth has always been one of my favorites it's just like it's a cool atmosphere the town's sick you can kind of like do other activities afterwards like we like like i said we went trail riding and like went through two tanks of fuel just trail riding and like checking things out like it was so fun and like that's why i was there i was just there to do like hang out and do a photo shoot for bell with for like one of the helmets so we went like trail riding and like found all this sick like trail spots and then like after we were done with the shoot me and my boyfriend we just like left and refueled up and went back out there and we're like this is epic and we just like climbed out like climbed up like a couple mountains and just like just checked everything out and it was so much fun i had a blast that's so sick hey can i take a piss break yes sir back in action (laughs) hey we'll just wait for my producer griff sorry about that you're all good uh yeah fucking loving loving it but hey it's such a such a sick show you got such a crazy unique story (laughs) thank you what uh what else is is coming up for you um i fly out uh what is today monday i fly out wednesday for a show in butte montana for key sayers yeah and uh i get home it's just a quick one day show and then i'll fly out next early next month to uh, calgary canada for stampede oh sick yeah we're doing that this year and then um yeah pretty mellow i did like because with monster you have like a cap on how many shows you can do so i kind of like oh really my cap for the year yeah so like i'm just like on like on with pretty much keith and then i think i have four more shows with monster for a moto gp in i think barcelona and then mx nations oh really yeah 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 i'll definitely i'm excited for that one i'll definitely be at motocross nations but um yeah might also be at that gp oh sick yeah i'm excited to try check it out what's with the cap on the shows it's just like um we just have like it in our contracts like we do like x amount of shows because they like pay us for our shows too yeah 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 so okay so it's just like we just so we're not just doing like a thousand shows for them they just put a cap on it so you're like hey you're allotted you know 15 shows for the year or something like that you know yeah and then i mean that's it's a that's a lot as it is anyway it's like probably not like oh yeah crazy much more than yeah it it's perfect yeah i mean i think jeremy has a huge huge amount to do and he's like almost gone almost every weekend which i mean damn good for him but um i don't i don't mind it i like being home (laughs) yeah yeah so uh so uh griff's back so we'll keep get back into it but uh so have you got any like moto bucket list stuff that you kind of want to tick off while you're still like really in in the prime of things i do um like like racing stuff or just just literally anything yeah um yeah i think like a few like races that i like wanted to do um it's hard for racing because like that's me spending money to go do something fun Uh, and then like kind of like if with my schedule for like events and shows like that it's like am i gonna like not do them and train for a race or am i gonna go do them and just not be the best at racing you know so it it makes it kind of tough 
for my schedule if I wanted to do like some some other races but yeah I definitely think there's still some things that are like left on my bucket list that I want to kind of complete I got kind of close to finally just flipping 75 consistently um I'm planning to try and maybe go back this summer and kind of finalize it and just I I just kind of like doing like learning things in my own little bubble and not not with like the hype of everyone around I just like kind of go into like a little like MIA and just kind of get to work and do it that way so I'd like to just like kind of get flipping back under my belt I did I did so many the last summer and like got like by last day they I feel like they like clicked to where like it was super effortless and then I um I had a shoulder injury the whole time so I was just kind of like fighting through that and um yeah just made it like super inconsistent for me to be able to do them all the time so um that ended up hurting me and then I ended up driving home trying one under rotating and um I just kind of wanted to take a step back and just do it the right way so we don't run into that anymore so I've kind of put that on a little bit of a hold and then yeah there's still one trick that I don't really want to like say just yet and I want to like put it through through the test and like go into it um but uh yeah it's just um those are kind of some things in in my head and I think now I kind of just want to like get into like those video parts and like kind of work on that sort of thing but yeah it just uh it takes takes the tools to do it so um yeah it's just kind of getting all the people and um in the right spots and coordinating it all but yeah hopefully I can kind of maybe work on some video parts and and do things like that but yeah I'm just kind of like um slowly but surely like going going into that and like learning it on my own like we ended up buying a a camera and just like learning things on our own so that's been like kind of a fun hobby for me to do is just like we film and ride and enjoy it and have fun so just kind of working on that and just like like I said just like enjoying like being home and like getting to do things and and just have a schedule and like I just like enjoy it so it's like we've been doing kind of like winters in California and summers on the east coast because that's where my boyfriend's from he's from Connecticut so we've been going out there and uh, Brody Wilson he lives in Mass and he has like an unbelievable compound so it's like an hour away so I went there all last summer and went into like his foam pit rode his compound and, and rode with him all summer so that was like a super fun like mix up and I think we're probably gonna hit the road in like another month month or two and just kind of try and hit some tracks and maybe go visit the grants out on the east coast now because they moved out there and and just like just go hit some tracks and facilities and just kind of like I don't know like I grew up in southern California and I've ridden the same tracks since I was a little kid and and they don't change much even if the layout changes so I I love getting to go out and just like experience just other tracks and and just go chill and and you know just live a different little bit of like a different life thing just california has to offer yeah man i'm honestly so tempted to i'm working on getting back to the states at the moment i think it's, it's almost been like five years since i've been there which is crazy no way think. yeah it goes so quick um yeah but yeah so i'm like kind of in the process of hopefully I, I i know pretty soon but man part of me just wants to buy a sprinter van and just like go full gypsy spec and just cruise around the states with like a stark and a 350 in the back and just go to like all the sick tracks because that is one yeah. thing about america is there is so many fucking dope motorcycle tracks that you can go and ride exactly 
And that's where I'm just like, man, if we could just like hit the road and like load up all the toys and just go like that's that is the American dream. And like and (laughs) and when we do events, it's literally like you hop on a plane, airport, hotel, venue, you leave, you go home. So you never like truly experience where you go. So I think it's super cool to just like stop and hit some places and like experience things. You see something cool on the side of the road, like stop and hit it. So that's kind of like what we're planning to do is just like we're going to load up the bikes, um, the Indians and just like go hit some spots. And like and that's like a thing for for Seth as well. He like he it's it's illegal what he does he can't just go really or do burnouts at just anywhere so um we drive along and some of the road trips we've gone on he's like that would be such a sick spot to hit and like really and do his thing on and and now it's like well like like let's go do it like it's just a matter of it'll be a matter of unloading the bike and you know making sure the camera's charged and like let's go so um we're kind of like just gonna go hit the road and just enjoy what we can do while we can so just go hit the road find some tracks find some wheelie spots and just go go see what we can find really and i think that'll be like like i said like what you want to do too the american dream of just getting to experience road life and not just going from a to b so it'll be cool yeah america's such a crazy place too i think i've driven across it twice now completely like all the way across and but then i've also done i've done so many different routes as well like not not just a up across and across like i've kind of been to man i probably would have been to 30 plus states and it's like it's it's almost like europe in the sense that every few hours it's a different country <laughs> like louisiana california <laughs> they the same fucking yeah, thing yeah not even close <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, like, there's so much on, on offer, like, where, especially when you're kind of, like, driving and seeing all those different different places. And, and like, it is a different culture. Yeah, it, it truly is. Like, where, where Seth's from in Connecticut, like, it's, you go back in time. It's so yeah. trippy. Like, like, just some of the same, like, with his parents, too, they just, like, they're from a small town. And, like, I would drive to to mass every day or almost every day to go ride and it's like an hour or so away and his mom is so sweet and she'd just be like you're going that far again and it's just like it's an hour away it's not that far (laughs) and just like it's just such a different thing they have like landlines they still like get newspaper ads and just like it's just such a I don't know it's just a different like you literally go back in time and like uh his his parents are super cool but I remember I uh, we were going on a, a trip to one of the shows and his dad comes walking out with like an atlas and was just like I wanted to see where you guys are going and I'm just like is what that what I think is it is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just like, just, you just like, I don't know. It's just, you go back in time, but like, it's such like a, a cool, like everything just slows down. Like yeah. you feel like you have more time in the day and like we'd go fishing, go hiking and mountain biking. Like it just like, we would do so many things. Like we were outside 24 seven, just doing just anything really. And we were like kids in a candy store, just just living it was just like a, it's just a different different world out there but it's 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 like almost necessary now that being in california 24 7 it's just like you need that like reality check of like just slow down and like enjoy things for a little bit yeah that that's the one thing that i remember when i moved back to australia 
from the US because I, I mean, it was like I was there most of my 20s, really. And I remember coming home and just being like, whoa, I can get so much more done in a day. And like, I just felt yeah. like my time, like the, the time just expanded for me because I wasn't in traffic. Like America, I said, used to pick one thing a day to do. Like, are you going to ride today? Okay. You can just ride. Like you get your bike, you drive to the track. That's going to take a while. You ride, you come home. That's going to take a while. You wash your bike it's over you go to work you can do that today like you got a meeting in LA you can do that today like there's just no doing multiple things in a day there you're so right it's so I don't get how it works but it's literally like just that like if if you go somewhere it's like oh that's a day killer and then yep. you're like, oh, I plan. I, I I really don't plan like multiple things in a day be, for yeah. that reason. And yeah. I'm just like, it just doesn't work. And if it does, it's like by it just so close on scheduling. Like it just, I don't get how it works like that. And like where I live, it's like super close to the training facility I go to. It's super close to all the places I ride to. So like we're in a super small thing. So I, I still don't understand how that works. And I'm, like, not even touching, like, freeways, highways, nothing like that. Like, just, just in town. And I'm just, like, you leave the house at the wrong time of the day. I'm, like, oh, this sucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's so, just, uh, it's different. I don't know what it is. Yeah, no, no, I felt it massive. The You said before how your, your like, parents and your in-laws were, like, oh, you're going to drive that far? There's two things that I think that dirt bike riders have that is like on levels above the average human one is a pain tolerance and two is a distance tolerance <laughs> like for me yeah. to drive for me to drive eight hours like cool i'll go do that like that's no worries at all and then just like the shit that i think i guess like the the concept of pain is just so different for someone that spent their whole life riding or racing bikes yeah or or just like not even distance but like traffic like to add to the distance like for us it's like you could go like I mean you guys do don't do miles but you know like drive an hour it could take three on your way back you know so it's just like I don't I don't get it but yeah the the pain thing is is so weird too I mean like in so many scenarios where like you you take the hardest slam and you just get up and you're just mad and you're just like you should be like hitting the ground and like contemplating life and uh, they get and you're just freaking pissed off and just like i hate everyone right now <laughs> and like that's not a normal reaction <laughs> nah, nah, nah. I've, i found when i started like uh training with jiu-jitsu like the stuff that people would think hurts i'm like that's that's actually not really that bad eh? like just any like any decent sized crash on a moto like my fucking eyelids hurt <laughs> like oh hurts. yeah just it's like a full body hurt full body soreness whiplash like the whole nine yards hit and then if you don't have any injuries that like are previous like then that's a different story but then like you crash and like hit your arm but like if you have an ankle injury you're like oh man my ankle hurts more now <laughs> and just like everything just like i don't know everything just is i've obviously worked bodies are connected but i don't get how i'll take a spill and then all of a sudden one of my old injuries just flares up and i'm like that has nothing to do with that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, have you you've had some pretty bad ones though eh? 
Yeah, I mean, apart from, I mean, my worst one was, um, I I think it was t- the beginning of 2018. I did a show in a convention center, and it was like polished concrete, and we were spraying like Coca Cola and like soda on the floor, and when it dries, it kind of creates like a tacky substance. Just poor poor decision making we should have just like laid something else down instead of doing that but you live and you learn on on certain things like that but yeah I just got wheel spin and didn't even make it to the landing and just went like straight up and and last second I just didn't really have the bike because I didn't have traction off the ramp Mm. so I was more worried about going OTB so I just like pulled and just like kind of just tried to set myself up for a good like hit and just in the last split second, I've never done it ever in my life, but I just like didn't have myself like even feet on the pegs. It was just really all out of whack and just stepped off the bike last second and went, you know, that I think like 40 or 50 feet up straight to my feet. And it was like super, super cold snowing out. So like everything mm. was even more rigid. And um, yeah, I pretty much exploded my right foot and ankle and every single bone in that foot just was annihilated. And uh, I developed Epstein Bar, or not Epstein Bar. Um, uh, what is it called? Um, like compartment syndrome. Yeah, uh, I developed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Car- oh, I developed no compartment shit. syndrome in it, like like Roxon did in his arm. Yeah. And so when that happened, I was like, at first I thought both both my legs were broken, and I was like, both of them are broken, but the right one's really really bad. I don't know what happened, but it's really really bad. And I started like going into shock because like it was just like I felt like something was like like I've never felt before. Like I mm. felt pain. I felt broken bones and it's not that big of a deal. But this was like I was like something's wrong. And um, the ambulance got there, puts like injected me with morphine and I'm like, it's not doing anything. Mm. I'm like, I feel everything. It's not doing anything. And they're like, they gave me more, didn't work, like nothing was working. And then they were getting to a point where like, we can't give you anything else because I was getting to a point where I was just like, it was working on the rest of my body kind of thing. And it was just like, my, I was stuck. I was, I wasn't breathing anymore. Um, I would just like, I, all like all the machines would go off and I'd like come back to and then, and like wow. feel everything and, and like hyperventilate and like go into shock again. And then I'd like pass back out and then like stop breathing and then go back. And it was just like a vicious cycle. And I was in Ohio. So like they, it was just not a place where they've seen compartment syndrome before. So mm. they didn't even know what they were looking at. And they like wrapped it up. They're like, yeah, well, we'll get you into some x-rays. And I'm like, no, something's really wrong. And the lady, the the doctor at the time, she's like, it's just broken like it's exploded but it's just broken and and then we got like a ct scan and sure enough like everything like my heel exploded there wasn't even a bone there anymore um every single bone in my ankle was like compressed to the point where like there was nothing like in between all my all my joints and like everything was just like either just into each other every bone was mushed into the next and it was just cracked everywhere and um and I was just like literally like flat out like tears like this is like something is wrong and I stayed like that for like almost a full day before I think like 20 hours with compartment syndrome and anything after like 10 you start losing like fingers or toes or you know like whatever so I like I fully should have like lost my leg and 
the uh, a specialist finally came in at the next day at like two in the morning or two in the afternoon and was like he looked at me and like grabbed my toes I couldn't feel them they were ice cold and he like looked at me and was like he didn't even like give me like a, an explanation he's like hey I, I gotta step out so I can get you into surgery I'll come back in and explain things after but I gotta set this up right now and so he, he like stepped out and like organized the surgery to take me in and he was like hey I gotta relieve the pressure right now or I like I don't know like what we're gonna have and they rushed me so quick that I like straight up remember like not even knowing like what I'm gonna wake up to I was uh, like I don't I, I'm like am I even like am, we, am I gonna wake up and not have a leg like I didn't know what was going on I was so scared and the doctor said like when he made the incision like everything like exploded because there was like I remember looking down yeah I remember looking down at my ankle and it was like the size of a like I didn't even recognize it was like the size of like a small watermelon like massive and like the whole it was just like it didn't look like it belonged on a human body and he like loose stitched it and like kept it open like Roxon's arm was like just like fully open so it could just like release pressure but like I remember waking up from that first surgery and like your eyes are still like not fully adjusting so you're just seeing like blurry stuff but I just was like trying to like look at my leg to see if there was a leg there yeah yeah and uh that was like the first scary step and like they put a nerve block in so like I was so like well I woke up and I had a leg and they put a nerve block in so I didn't feel any pain anymore so I was just like fully like oh like I have my leg and I'm like in like temporary no pain like I know when this wears off it's gonna hurt again but I was like I needed a break I was just like I had nothing left to fight and I was just like struggling and that was like the first step of just like getting some type of like relief but it was so gnarly I'd like wake up in the middle of night of just like a puddle of blood under my foot and like just like so gnarly like it was just an unreal experience to, to deal with something like that and the surgeon was like he was actually super cool because he he straight up was like hey I know you're an athlete and I I can fix this but I honestly I don't want to he's like because of like what you do he's like I'd rather do whatever it takes to get you to your surgeon and I had a specialist like I already had a specialist that I seen for my ankle already for my other ankle. So I already had a good relationship with my ankle specialist and I like, we texted him and like, let him know what was going on. And he requested certain scans and things like that to kind of speed up the process for when I got there. And thankfully that doctor in Ohio was like as real as they come and was like, Hey, I want to get you home to your guy so he can handle this for you. Because like, this is like, I can, but I don't, I don't, feel comfortable and Mm. like which is very rare i was gonna say that's actually crazy that a doctor checked his ego in that sense because you think about just being a run-of-the-mill surgeon in ohio like you're never gonna see something like that again and it's like he think about all the barbecues he could have gone to all of the you know where it's like oh man i got this leg and i had to figure took this like that'd be so it's so easy for a doctor to like want to do that even though he probably doesn't have the skills to pay the bills exactly that's where i was tripping i was just like man he like fully was like i'd rather you get to someone who can truly do this because i had like 
10, 12, 15 people in my room every time they took the bandage off because they're like, we've never seen this before. So everyone wanted to come in and see. So like, I just like, it, it was just not a thing in where I was. So when we got organized a medical emergency flight, like through road to recovery, like they stepped in and, and helped out oh, really? quite a lot. Yeah. So they got me a, a medical flight and, and we got to the point where like this, like it drained enough to where I could get um to to a flight to um flight home because I couldn't even like like it was the most unbearable like if it dropped below my foot like everything flooded to it like I mean like if, if you've had a surgery like you can feel like that blood like pumping type feeling that it starts just like pulsating and this was like one I've never experienced before like I couldn't even like have my foot down to go to the bathroom like it was just it was way too much like I couldn't handle it and it wouldn't like once it was there it wouldn't I couldn't like filter it back out so it was just like unbelievable pain that I like had to deal with so I had to get a medical flight because it was just too risky to even fly like that so they left everything open and just like let me fly to California to my surgeon and my surgeon was he's freaking awesome he literally was waiting for me he's like I'll I'll wait whenever you get here I'll I'll do it and he went through the options with me of what to do and he ended up putting me into um before he even fixed anything he uh he put me into like an external fixator yeah. he's like because everything was just mashed together he's like there's no room for me to even like work he's like so we're gonna put you in that and just like try and like open your joints back up so he just like tried to open as many joints as he could with the fixator and after like I don't, I don't remember how long I was in one but he he had that and I came in and he like moved it and tried to open my joints up over time and then I think maybe a week or two later he went in and like fixed everything and he was just like he's like I stopped counting all the little pieces of your of your bones I was pulling out and so like he he did an amazing job for for what he had to put back together and um unfortunately it didn't even stop at that i was supposed to only have the the three total surgeries and then it went into a nightmare of of infections and uh. then i think i was at 7 or 8 weeks post op and like my scar had pretty much fully healed i had like a little scab left and I was, I was kind of walking at this point with like one crutch, sometimes no crutches. I was kind of walking a little bit. And then all of a sudden it just like, it blew up it. I couldn't walk on it anymore. And then I went back in and I actually had like a surgery in his office and he just cut it open in his office. I was like fully awake and just to drain it and get it, like get all that shit out. And then I just like got antibiotics tried it and like I went through like months and months of multiple surgeries and like we could not get the infection out and it was just like it was basically a, a bone infection at that point so I did uh. multiple surgeries he like pulled he thought one of the screws was causing issues so he pulled the screw then he pulled like and then like it was like a it was a crazy like roller coaster because I would get to a point where I could maybe start walking again and then I'd get off antibiotics and then it would blow up like massive get hot red and I couldn't walk anymore and then I'd have to go back in for surgery and I was just like in your pain uh your pain sensors like heighten 
I yeah. thought it would get easier and easier and it was just getting like to the point where just an IV in your arm was I was just like excruciating pain because everything's just so heightened so I went through I think a handful of surgeries more and they were on like my eighth surgery of getting ready to schedule me for another surgery to a point where they were gonna like cut all the skin off cut all like shave the bone down that had finally grown back and um just leave it all open and just try and let it heal that way and I was just I like called Navarro and I'm like dude I can't do this like I like physically and mentally like can't do it anymore and I was just like please help me like I I can't do that surgery like and it's like the uh, the extents of like I I needed in-home care like just because of like it was just too much and I was just like I physically and mentally cannot do the eighth surgery like can't do it and he's like, okay, I'll find you another option. So he found this doctor that put a pick line in my arm and it was just like, I could do at home antibiotics, but like gnarly, gnarly antibiotics. And we did that. It was like the strongest, one of the strongest antibiotics you could have. And like, I, I just had to like give myself an IV like three or four times a day and to get it out that way. And it was just like, heck, even dude. then, even then, like, and I've been on antibiotics for like, I think almost the entire year at this point. And I'm just like riddled away to like nothing. Like I weighed, I normally weigh like 150, 55 pounds. And I was like at 120. Wow. So like, I was just like, I'd lost all muscle. Like I lost everything. And I was just like, were you single at that I, point too? No, I had some, I had one, like my ex-boyfriend yeah, at the time okay. helping me. Yeah. And then like, I had, um, I had roommates too that were, were living with me and helping me. And like, my mom was at the house quite a bit helping me. So like, I had people helping me at the time. So like, thankfully, like there'd be no way I could have even, yeah. you know, done anything, you know, by myself. But thankfully I had enough people around me to, to take all that on. But yeah, just endless surgeries. And like, even to the point where like, when we... I was like, it was just so frustrating because every single time I'd start walking and then I'd go back to crutches, start walking, go back to crutches. And it was just like endless. And even like the last time I went through the final like um, IV treatment for antibiotics and I was just like, dude, I would just remember, I'm like, I don't think I'm going to keep this leg. Like I just Mm. like was like still like a year later, I'm like, I don't think I'm going to get to keep this leg. And I just like said a prayer and the next day they pulled me off antibiotics and I was just like, like just praying, like nothing was going to go bad. And, um, everything like started to like every, you know, nothing bad came back. And, um, uh, my, my doctors actually like cleared me to ride shortly after. And, uh, they came out to the track with me that day for my first day back. So That's it was like sick. super special. Yeah. And, um, yeah, just like, I mean, I just like couldn't believe that like I was actually gonna get to like keep my leg and keep riding man that is hectic like my my brother had a a real bad like similar like just shattered his ankle completely dislocated it like that they they couldn't put it back in because there was like nothing to like leverage the joint back because he dislocated and disintegrated it and then so he had all these surgeries and then he got staff real bad and it was like they Oof. they they ended up having to cut like a a hole in his leg and put like a sponge in it and just like constantly just suck shit out of it 
And yeah, uh, that's what I had. But dude, I mean, nothing like that. What you went through that is so fucking hectic. Yeah, it was. It was. I. I mean, that was probably like the gnarliest point in my life uh, for like an injury wise. Um, but it was like it was nice because I had people like Roxon, um, like Jeremy, mm. like Bilko. And like, they're like, we've been through this, like in there. And like, it was good to see like people that have been through that and then they're riding again. So like, it was just like, it was kind of my motivator of just like, all right, like, um, I don't know exactly, you know, like specifics, but like they're riding and like they did it. And, um, like Chad K even like reached out and like always kept in contact. So like, I had a lot of people that like were elite athletes reaching out and that's and so telling, cool yeah and like I think even Nicoletti because I think Nicoletti did something like that he reached out and just like having so many so many riders reach out and be like hey like I went through this if you have any questions let me know and mm. like you, it'll yeah so like having that was like super super comforting because like some like even I remember hitting up Roxon and be like dude like I'm on like surgery six like how did you do this Cause I know he did six in like a day or like a couple days, you know? So I was just like, how did you do this? And like, just like getting like that, like those people that have been through it too, as like, it was unreal helpful because I mean, I mean, I did like, was like, I'm not riding anymore. I quit, but mm. it, it didn't last long because at the point, like I was stuck on the couch and my decision to quit didn't really change anything because yeah. I still got to do the same process to walk. So if I want to walk, once you get to walking, then, then like the light, you see a light at the end of the tunnel. But like, I still had to get to the point of walking. Like I'm not going to sit on the couch forever. And like, you know, so like the process is still the same. So I was like, even, even if I quit, like I still got to get to walking. I still got to do the therapy. Like at least if I try and like, have riding at the end goal like it's at least like worth it because like for me like just getting to walk but like it was like a real like scenario where it wasn't like a career threat it was like a life threat so it was just like that's a whole different ball game when it comes to like you know injuries and things like that yeah man it's it is special what the body and mind can go through for you to have to go through that injury at that time in your life and then to like you almost like the best parts of your riding career have come post that injury almost it really has I mean that was like what like sparked everything else is like um I just started doing freestyle and doing shows and then that happened but I was actually getting like you know, like I mentioned, like the rates I was trying to chase for getting paid and things like that, it was finally like coming through. And so it was just all coming together. So it was a little bit frustrating because I was finally getting what I thought where I should be. And then that happened. Um, so then, then I just felt like the world was obviously just passing me by and like just getting to sit outside in the sun was like the biggest treat I had for the day. So it was uh it was definitely humbling in in many many ways of of like what life can be and then you you kind of realize like you know like what to actually like focus on and like 
and be you know be who be around who you want to be around and like do what you actually like you know just like you when you start taking things for granted that's when like life checks you and I think Mm. maybe that's when life started to check me a little bit Mm. yeah it's such a it's such a good way of looking at it you know what do they say like a a healthy man wants many things a sick man wants one and it's really true you know yeah and then that on that point and even to this day like I'll look down and like my ankle will kill like every morning like it is not easy for me to get out of bed and just walk some like most mornings like I gotta like get it moving and then I can actually walk in the morning and I just think I'm like man like I could think this really sucks but I just like I got two legs to stand on and then I'm just like yep I'll deal with it (laughs) Mm. and and yeah I guess how is it now like is it still something that I feel like that's the kind of injury that never really goes away yeah it's a tough one I mean like if you think about it too like a foot and ankle like if you injure that everything travels up so yeah so I I struggle like obviously like uh for the longest time I had so many issues with everything that one of my bones would kind of like come out of place and get stuck for a long time and so then I'd have to like fully have it get like put back into place um, I think now to the, I think it's to the point where like I've done it so many times, like the bones probably like rounded itself off. So it's actually less painful now. So it just pops <laughs> in and out. No problem. Um, but yeah, it's just like, it's, it, there's never a day where I don't struggle with it. Um, I think the first imagination I ended up re-breaking it, um, in my, I started breaking like my metatarsals, like in the middle of my foot Yeah, and then, um, I did my first my first metatarsal at first year imagination off of like the smallest little hip jump. I just landed like toe heavy on the foot peg and then my my popped. foot just like it just snapped like the the part of the bone um snapped fully in half, the other part dislocated, like it just gave. And um that was a little like disheartening because after I got that fixed, um I did the second and third one. Not as bad, but I did them. And I'm like, what do I do? Like, I'm just like, they're just breaking. Um, So I just like, just try to take a different approach, start different supplements and just see what I could really do. And just, um, yeah, there wasn't, there's not much to do, unfortunately. Um, But I just like take on my physio and, and he does as much work as he can. And I just try and do as much ankle, like just to this day of just like keeping it moving and just trying to do as much as I can for it. But yeah, just, it starts to travel up. So it's like my knee starts giving me problems. My hip starts giving me yeah, problems. My yeah. back starts giving me problems. So it's, um, it's definitely a challenge in itself, but that's kind of where I've resorted back to just doing research and figuring out what I can do to help it and what things help it, what things hurt it. And, and just kind of go from there and just see what I can do. And, and while it's still, somewhat movable I'm gonna keep riding until I can't do it anymore so uh, I'm just kind of taking advantage of of what time I've got left at this point yeah isn't it crazy what you know you look at Roxon and what he was able to do post that injury eh? yeah that's like what truly like kept me going too because like he went through something that wasn't not career ending that that was like life-threatening things that he was dealing with to where like he was lucky to keep his arm and 
that's that's a whole different ball game than our just our silly little sport mm. so um that's that's where I like I kind of just like looked to him and I was just like he's he's doing things that he shouldn't be able to do anymore and he's still doing them and he's still doing them competitively and then he did his other arm and still is doing things competitively and it's just like how can you not be such a f- big fan and like support the guy like there's no bad things you can say about a guy that has been able to come from that and still go to the top you know and and stay at the top yeah yeah no it's pretty remarkable but yeah I mean you know the same thing like I guess that's you know one of the themes of of us talking is like the there's so there's so many crazy redeeming qualities and like beautiful qualities that get built from a life of you know like where dirt bikes or where you know motorsports or what I guess you know dirt bikes it really does forge like a certain type of person and you know there's been so many people that have come before us like you know like I said even my brother with the injury that he had like he's he runs you know like that's That's insane nearly you know (laughs) nearly lost his foot and the dude goes out and and runs and you know like it's uh it is a pretty crazy world that we live in where you know it's like it's so gnarly what you went through but it's like weirdly normal too you know yeah I think that's where it's like comforting though too like um one of my friends had a similar injury later and I was like I just went through it like I I broke that bone and look at me now like like it sucks and you're gonna go through some stuff and you're not gonna like it and it's gonna be miserable but you're gonna get to ride your dirt bike on the other end and and that's like what I always say is like the same thing that gets you into it it will get you out and um Mm. that's that's what this sport does is like it gets us into some shit but um it'll it'll get you out like mentally like to push through like the the amazing thing that your mind can do of just being able to swing your leg over a bike again it'll it'll take you to some lengths and that's like it's it's damn impressive yeah well hey we just did three hours and that's probably as good a place that we could uh <laughs> that we could end this uh this podcast thanks so much for for coming doing it i've like really really enjoyed talking to you yeah dude thank you for having me i'm, I'm glad we can make it happen and uh get the time time frame straight <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 it was definitely a uh yeah, it was definitely not a not an easy one to to make happen but it was so worth it it's uh crazy story and and honestly like you're a you're an extremely inspirational person in the in the industry i think you're underrated as a writer um and yeah uh, i hope people really get to appreciate what you've been through to uh yeah to be the to be the chick that you are right now well thank you man i i I really appreciate and uh been a big fan of the the podcast for many years now Oh, that's sick. All right, well, well, we'll do it again sometime. Hopefully, I'll see you soon for a ride. We'll, we'll race World Vets together. And, yeah, uh, let's do and, it. And we'll make it happen. I like it.